Go with God. Oh, I thought we were doing the THX thing. Go, 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 go. Yeah, I was. <laughs> That's so, how THX hands uh, <laughs> Amen. Go with God. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And we really appreciate uh, you spending a little bit of time with us here. A little bit of time. With episode 538, the most difficult part of the show. What is that? Uh, aside from trying to end it, yeah. is uh, is getting this off the top and saying the number of the show. Okay. And of course, everyone knows it. You got it on your uh, display. Whatever you're listening to this has the number on there. There's no need for this information coming from me. We don't have any mm-hmm. names for the episodes. Yes, yeah, we don't. You know? We have not named them yet. Dave befriends a goat. I'm like, I would, I would listen to that episode, <laughs> so. but we don't have any of that. We don't have that. I don't even know if that happened, but... Uh... I would befriend a goat. You would befriend a goat? Yeah, I think goats are kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a goat. There's times I've seen, like, a, especially a baby goat. Holy cow, what's cuter than a baby goat hopping around? Nothing. I, I, I challenge a human baby to be that adorable. The creepy see, eyes, though. He, uh, with babies? Goats. Yeah, human babies. Yeah, goats, yeah, have creepy creepy eyes. Eyes. goats have creepy eyes. Okay. They're the sideways pupils. Mm, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you need that. It's almost like the... Um, Do you know why they have sideways pupils? Uh, God's will. Peripheral vision. Oh, okay. This is cats have up the opposite of that. There's go up and down. That's so because they look straight ahead when they're attacking. So they have a better view of their prey. And we have round ones because we have the best of both worlds. Oh, okay. Peripheral vision and we have good forward vision. Nice. There you go, everyone. How about fish? What? Fuck fish. Uh, no, you shouldn't. That's, uh, what about fish? Sorry. By the way, no, I'm going to They have an incredible sense of smell. I'm going to go with something real, real, real quick. There was oh, a you're joke, not going to interact my There was a joke in Aquaman about him, uh, 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 in Peacemaker, about Aquaman having sex with fish. Yeah, I don't think that was in Aquaman. What? I don't think that was in Aquaman. That was in Peacemaker. That was in Peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, in Aquaman, uh, everyone's like, ooh, and then in Justice League, ladies uh, smell his sweater and then sing him a song. <laughs> sing him a song, he's the Aquaman. He's sniffing his sweater all day. Um but uh, so there's a, yeah, there's a joke about him having sex with, uh, with fish. I'm against that. And here's why. You're against him having sex with fish. I'm against that joke. Oh, okay. I think poor, poor form on that joke. Okay. Because, yep. uh, on the Harley Quinn, uh, cartoon series. Yes. Uh, which she the, has sex with fish. No. Uh, let's not repeat this similar. She spreads the rumor that Batman has sex with bats. Mm. And that pipe had been laid like a year or two earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I feel like uh, they couldn't get Batman into Peacemaker. Sure. But that would, that was the joke was like, how about Batman? He has sex with bats. And he'd be spreading the same rumor that uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you're basically doing the same joke, but less but less funny to me for some reason. Sure. Like a man having sex with a bat is pretty funny. Uh, a guy having <laughs> sex with a fish is okay. But sure. it doesn't feel like a real Aquaman type thing. Like Batman is an angry loner in a cave with a bunch of bats. You yeah, think, yeah. Mm. Whereas Aquaman <laughs> is sure. Johnny Stud, right? Yeah, you yeah. don't think like he'd spend the time uh, making love to a trout. You well, know? he's certainly he's certainly making up for something. Aquaman. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like when you drive by a person in a really big truck and you just see them and you go, "Poor guy." Mm. You know, it's too bad. 
feel sorry for him. I feel like uh, the saddest thing about Aquaman is he's got this uh, multi-pronged uh, uh, device. It's like, like five prongs. It's called a trident, right? That's what he calls it. Okay. But you can see the problem with that. There you go. It's really a qu- quintet. Quintend. It's something. But I'll tell you one thing it ain't, and it's it's not a trident <laughs> at all. So there's problems there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, long story short, uh, the Aquaman joke is a ripoff of the Batman joke. Uh, and uh, Harley Quinn and Peacemaker, I think, are too similar, the worlds, uh, to be doing that kind of thing in. So uh, Nick's you don't like to it. that. Yeah. And, of course, Peacemaker, we uh, you know got, got to know Peacemaker in a movie with Harley Quinn in it. You know, so they're uh, not only are they the two shows similar tonally, yeah, uh, they're in the same movie. So, yeah, yeah, they hang out, they know each other on the same team. <laughs> they're making the same jokes, yeah, these redundant jokes. The only thing I can think is like maybe she made the okay, here's how I'd go with this mm-hmm. is uh, she made the joke about Batman having sex with bats, yeah. And Peacemaker, not having that much capacity to make his own jokes up and being a very shallow bully, went, uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And then when someone asks him about Aquaman, he just flips it and makes it Aquaman having sex with fish because he liked Harley's joke. Yeah. And so he's ripping off her joke. That I would go with. But okay. there was a bit of backup from that and confirmation, and so it didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah. So What's, What do you mean backup? Well, I shouldn't spoil things. So anyway, there's a possible confirmation of the Aquaman rumor in Peacemaker. He, what Aquaman denies it. Hmm. Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. And then someone else goes, it's not a rumor. Oh, okay. Uh, now, is that saying it's not a rumor as in no one is saying yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. Or yeah. is it saying it is, that's confirmed? I, that's what I took it as, like, no one's saying that. But let's let's just give give this a uh, point as well. Sure. Before we throw, start throwing stones at poor Aquaman, Yeah. Uh, we don't know what his culture is like. Also... Superman, who's yeah. the most beloved honorable superhero. Well, we don't know his culture's like, but we do know that he did not grow up in his culture. He grew up with a human father living on the land for the Abs- longest time. So. Absolutely, but then it's he, pretty quick adoption of some of the more outlandish elements of that culture. Well, he went back. To, okay, fish. look, he went back, and he is now the king of Atlantis. Sure, and there may be some duties as the king of Atlantis. <laughs> okay. Sure, look, I didn't, didn't think of that, but okay, fair enough. Mermaids have to come from somewhere, Dave, and if they don't come from a guy having sex with a fish, yeah. I don't know where mermaids come from. Don't they just come from other mermaids? Really? <laughs> what do you mean, really? Well, at some point in the yeah. past, yeah. Uh, something There's mixed. mermen, right? There are mermen. And merwomen. Wouldn't they be joining together and... There's no merwomen. And unholy matrimony. Yeah. I yeah. don't think anyone uses the phrase merwomen. Well, I don't think you're very up on the, uh, the current, you know... The fact that... The current mermaid? Yeah, mermaid freedom, you know, like, you know, the fact that we're not, no longer maids... You know, we're not here to clean, clean your fish houses. Yeah. And other such things. <laughs> they're called tanks, but yes. <laughs> no, fish, fish, I'm talking about in the ocean. Fish, in the ocean, they're called fish houses. They're called fish houses. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think that expression. I think you're getting fish, that mixed well, up with fish jails, people, which we call fish tanks. Sure, sure. People in fish houses yeah. shouldn't throw uh, gravel. <laughs> shouldn't show their fish stones. But where I was going with yeah. that was uh, yeah. Superman in college mm-hmm. dated mm-hmm. a uh, mermaid. Superman in college dated her mermaid. Yeah, Lori Lamaris. So, yeah. hey, you know, look. Sure. I mean, and they were in college. So, <laughs> some shenanigans probably. <laughs> Not much. Okay, but whatever Aquaman yeah. did, and sorry to be starting the show this way, uh-huh. Superman did similar. No, he didn't. He went on a he went out with a, on a date with her. I think you're going way too far. A uh, date? They yeah, were yeah. they were in a relationship. Sure, but in a high school relationship of that no, time college. period. No, college. 
Oh, college relationship. Oh, I forget it. Yeah, just said it was in college. So you know the experimental phase where where you date a mermaid. (laughs) That's true. That's right. It's all a scale. It's a Kinsey scale, and he he certainly has one end of it. Yeah, and she was faking being disabled. He's he's the deep end of the Kinsey scale. Okay. Hence the mermaid. Anyway, I mean mirror woman. No longer falling into your uh, your old fashioned archaic references. Okay. A man needs a mermaid, as Neil Young once wrote. Right. Oh, by the way, now that we've, uh, we're just going to DC it out real fast here. Uh, we, we were talking about, uh, the Batman movie on a previous episode and didn't want to mention a scene, uh, a character that popped up in a scene, but it's now the number one thing on Twitter and there's a bonus scene that's out. And it's, uh, the Joker shows up in, in this scene and does a big long talk with, uh, I think, I think the Riddler. I haven't watched it, but, uh, my take on this is, uh, too much Joker. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Joker. Sure, sure. There's so many jokers. We got spare jokers. We got a, a, a Jared Leto Joker that's just hanging around, like yeah. waiting by the phone. <laughs> it feels like an unexplored Joker. And that's not counting Mark Hamill, who is also waiting by a separate phone. Yes, you know, who like anytime he'll be, hey, no, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be ready to go. Yeah, he's retired, I think, from the Joker twice. Mark Hamill has. Yeah, and then uh, well, he's then, back. then the uh, bill came in. His daughter needed new braces, and he said, well... Could, could be. Yeah. I think he probably made some money off Star Wars, though. I don't think so. I think he made some Luke Skywalker I bucks. I think if you look, he got paid to scale. No, that's what films. the mermaid gets paid. <laughs> Merwoman. <laughs> it's spelled uh, M-Y-N. So, are you going to say anything more about Joker? No, that was basically Okay, it. I have nothing to say about it either. It's just like, I, I'm tired of Joker being a yeah. philosopher. I'm tired of him being. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of him being behind bars, going. Here's how the world works. I'm like, okay, I don't need that so, at all. So we can blame Christopher Nolan for the philosophical Joker. Yeah, sure. I mean, I like a. I like you know. Look, once in a while, fine. But I've just been down that road enough. Where's the Joker who surfs? Where's that guy? Where's Caesar Romero? Where's the serpent Joker? Yeah, sure. Bring, you want to bring? I don't know. You keep mentioning this, but I don't know if there's a time to bring comedy back into into the Batman universe right now. Okay, I think people are still wounded from the Joel Sch- Schumacher films. Well, I'm going to say I thought they did with Lego Batman quite well. Sure, people Zach accept. Yeah. I guess a, they would accept Joker, a kind yeah. of alternative cartoon. But you know, the cartoon Batman is. I like to villain around. I have lots of villains. But I'm your special. I'm your special, right? <laughs> no, no, we're not. Like, oh, break his heart, break his little Joker heart. So, um, but the the animated Batman is still pretty serious. It's not a it's not a laughy show. Well, they've got some okay jokes in it. Okay. Yeah, they, they okay. you know they know they know when to to use it. Yeah, but Batman takes himself pretty seriously. Yeah, there's no uh, no shark repellent, no bat shark repellent, or can't get rid oh, of a bomb boy. sort of stuff. Or uh, I'd have to I'd have to see. I'd have to see. But, oh, wait a second. Batman in the Harley Quinn animated series is uh, oh, okay. jokey. Yeah. That's more And jokey. I believe he probably, I think he has used shark repellent on King Shark. Okay. Now that you have brought that up. <laughs> and the whole thing there is, uh, is uh, Mr. Jordan, Gordon uh, considers himself to be Batman's best friend, and Batman does not. Mm. Batman's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're best buds. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's oh. a little needy. All very interesting. So something else we were talking about. Okay. Before we, because uh, I don't want to lose this in in the in our the rush. hoax of the coronavirus. <laughs> yes, we certainly were talking about that, but we keep that strictly off air. That's for a different show. Hoax jokes. 
the uh, the, plan- the pandemic podcast. You Hoaxy Carmichael. <laughs> no, we were talking about a book that you're just got mm. that you were inspired to get because you heard Silver Sarah Silverman talking about it on a podcast. Yeah, it was the the drama of the gifted child, and uh, I know so little about it. Uh, but what what hooked me on the idea uh, of it? Uh, what? Yeah, here we go. Uh, it's the drama of the gifted, i.e., sensitive, alert child. Uh, consists of his recognition at a very early age of his parents' needs and his adaptation to these needs. Uh, he learns to repress rather than acknowledge his own intense feelings. They are unacceptable to the parents and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, and the, the title, The Drama of the Gifted Child, was not the original title. The original yeah. title was uh, The Drama of the Narcissist. But, uh, but uh, Alice Miller knew no one would buy that book, so it went the other way. And it, that's what I know about it so far, but uh, it seems it seems interesting. But it's the same content inside. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I was just curious because maybe I'm a bit hurt. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a bit wounded ego over here. Okay, is that I, I was diagnosed as a gifted child as a as a child. That's uh, it's an interesting phrase, diagnosed. Well, how like, do di- you say? I it? know because diagnosed always almost always leads to uh, a disease. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I was described as a gifted child. I was, but I went yeah. through a series of tests. It feels like a gifted child, but no another word for it. Seems that's the first term uh, test. It's just like give me another word for uh, for diagnosed, uh-huh. and I'm like oh described. I'm like oh, that's very, very good. <laughs> well, I didn't say described. Well, now, <laughs> when you're on the now, spot, when you're in your fifties, yes, <laughs> you've had a said, long time to uh, do it. That's great, but sure. it just feels like that's it's not something I really. One. It's not something I really talked about. For one thing, is I never knew that I was described as a gifted child as a child. Okay, my mom didn't tell me that. What was your What was your age that? Uh, I guess I was in my thirties. Oh, about what age were you? Uh, oh, tested? I was a teen, teenager in junior high school. Okay. Because my mom wanted to know why I was doing badly in school when I was clearly intelligent. Okay. And so I took a I took a, like a series of tests, series of. Were you doing badly in everything, or just in specific? Uh, in specific courses? classes of yes. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and sometimes I do badly in classes I enjoyed as well, just because I couldn't be bothered to hand in homework. Yeah. You know that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, so she wanted to know. You know, I guess she was concerned, or whatever, and so the school did a. A barrage of tests. I had to sit and write a bunch of tests, and uh, like, luckily, miss class to do this, which was pretty right. great. So you sit in a room and do a bunch of tests. It's pretty awesome. And what type of tests were they? Yeah, they were kind of like if you did you do IQ tests when you're in, in elementary school. I think so. Yeah, it was like that, right? So it's a series of like mathematical problems or logic problems, or okay. or you read a paragraph and then you respond to questions about the paragraph. I'm just going to quickly interrupt by saying like the test that I loathe. Okay. Loathe for those kind of things. Yeah. Is like on a scale of, you know, one to five, you know, uh, never, seldom, somewhat, yeah. all, quite often, yes. always. Yeah. I hate those those fuckers. Okay. I hate them so much. Th- those, those aren't those kind of tests. Okay. They make this, me know. This feels no like more like you've been requested by. Um, your travel, right. the travel app to rate, I, rate a hotel. And I have, yes, I have done an IQ test. I'm now remembering that, yes, indeed, I had an IQ mm-hmm. test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I did mine in grade five, okay. if I remember yeah. correctly. But anyway. My, mine got brought up when I was in, yeah, it was when I got brought up in, brought up in junior high, it got brought up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So say it was done slightly before then. So I did, did those tests and I never heard anything about it after that. And I was always curious what, why I did it, but. I was kind of a, I don't know if I call it shy, circumspect, not one to pry, 
So I never asked my mom, like, what was that about or anything? I just assumed right. that if it was important, she would tell me. Uh, which Lisa also finds when she asks me questions, that when people tell me stories, she'll go, well, what does he do for a living? I'll be like, I don't know. He didn't tell me that in the story. He just told me this part of the story. Well, didn't you ask? No. It didn't occur to me to ask that question. I just listened to the story. Why would I ask a question? Yeah. But anyway. I will very seldom ask someone what they do for a living. I find that quite rude. I will very, very seldom ask for any information when someone tells me a story. Like, I just, I don't pry. Like, I'm, they're giving me what they want. Yeah, yeah. If they're offering that information. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask for more information. I think it's a, it's a bit of a dick question to, to ask that. I don't, but I don't even mean that. I just mean, like, wh like how but many, I, how I many brothers and sisters do they have? Like, say they're talking about their family. And then yeah. she'll go, oh, how many brothers and sisters do they have? I'll be like, I don't know. They didn't say. Right. But but if you did ask that, you're you're you know, you could be opening the door to a lot of bad shit. And just like, well, well I got already, this stepbrothers and sisters, yeah. this one died, this one this, this one that, I'm estranged from this one. But when you ask and again, I'm sorry to derail your story a little bit here, but I do feel like it's one of the first things that people ask at like a party or whatever is just like, Hey, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And I always feel like it's a rude it. question because it's almost like a way of saying, Hey, how much money do you make? What do you do? Because it just like it it, it says, is a status thing. It yeah. is a status thing, yeah, right? For sure. And then you're like, ugh, how do you present this or how do you say it or whatever? And for me, I'm I just want to usually go, I don't know a, a variety of I mean, things. I can see it as a way what but yeah. I'd rather ask someone what game like, are you in old man? Yeah. It's this is a, it's hard to get like you meet someone Someone and you're looking for an angle for conversation. And I guess some people assume like that would look at me and assume, oh, this guy likes what he does and he wants to talk about it, which is the exact opposite of the reality. Right. So they're asking okay. me a painful question where I'm just like, well, my life is like a series of failures that brought me to this point. And now I do this. And they'll be like, oh, great. And I'll just be like, oh. Well, Thanks sorry. for bringing I'm, me down. I am sorry to hear that. Well, you know, that's just reality. So. I don't think that's reality at all, <laughs> but okay. That's, that's, that's perception over that reality. That is perception of my life. So then... Yeah. Uh, I see very few of our listeners would consider you a failure. So then, uh, when I get asked that question... Yeah, that one person. They know who they are. Um, yeah, when I get asked that question, it's just kind of like, ugh. I don't want to talk about this. I feel ugh about it, too. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, ugh, I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> but some people, I guess, their job is their is them, and they're like, "Oh, well, I can talk about myself now because I am my job, and I will tell you all about it." Yeah, yeah. Whereas I disagree with I'm not. You yeah, know? I, that's like if they said like, "What do you do?" But even that's kind of vague or it kind of put points towards you. What's your job? Because you feel like that's what they want to know, not yeah. We're where all my hobbies are. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it feels like we're both stepping on a scale and to see like who wins this little contest that we've got. And it's just like I don't know. Let's just both get naked right now and stand in front of a mirror and just see what happens. You know, let's let's, let's just let's do that. If we're sure. gonna, yeah, it's sure. it's it, to me it's a rude question unless someone brings it up. Mm -hmm. But sorry, you so you had you had the test and then, yeah, I had the series of tests and then. Quite a few years later, when Lisa was teaching at the school she teaches at now. So right. this would have been me and my... And she'd been there for a, while, a little while. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably in my early early 30s. Well, you should have left school by that point. It was wrong for her to be teaching you as your wife. <laughs> and two, you should have been out of that school. I don't think you were gifted if you were still there. <laughs> my gift was my ability to stay in school. So um, I hear he's got something going with the teacher. So two kids. That's <laughs> okay. He's thirty. So I don't think it's okay at all. <laughs> this this is still when only Mary was around at this point. Oh, okay. We were in the townhouse at this time, and so so Lisa at school had had become part of this committee or whatever to look at uh, starting a gifted program at her school, 
And so we brought it up home to my mom. My mom was there and we brought it up and she's like, first thing, she she's really offended by the idea of gifted children. My mom, I don't know why, but she's really offended by that idea. So she got really, really like upset that this was going to be brought into the school. Okay. I'm not sure why. And then she said, when you were in junior high school, you were described as gifted. And I went, well, when was this? And she said, well, remember when you took all those tests? And I was like, well, that would have been good to know. Because even if it's, even if I think it's kind of an overrated description, gifted, it's still would be interesting to know why you learn differently than other people around you or why you don't, you know, you can't operate the same way other people, other kids around you do in school and why you do badly, even when you mean to do well, you know, like, cause you're, you go in with all the best intentions and then it all derails in some weird way. And uh, that would have been nice, nice to know that I learn a different way than other people or blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. I went through school without that little thing. So it was always like, you know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think it's kind of an odd. But my mom just, I think she found it, I think she is very conscious of how she appears to people as a person. It was always a very much a worry to her. What would the neighbors think? Or how will we look as a family? If you were gifted. If I was gifted, yeah. Because I would be different from other kids. Okay. I know, it's weird, because I already was different than other kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. was already there from the get-go. I was already, like, known. And the, uh, and the, other, uh, and the yeah. other parents would care? Yeah, the other parents wouldn't care at all, and the kids already you know got, you're like, a weirdo. Th- you're one of three kids as well, just like if yeah. one of the three of you was gifted. Does that, sure. what's that mean? What's that mean? And yeah. kids, kids are like a, a pack of dogs who realize that one of the dogs is blind and will immediately attack that dog. You know, the kids recognize when you're different from them, and they get very hostile to that you know did you ever know any kids that were uh like uh, gifted or anything like that any skip a grade kids or anything like oh that? yeah i knew skip a grade kids but i felt like were they uh, harassed um well they were certainly different than the other kids okay and i don't you know like when i grew up as a kid like there wasn't there wasn't like dc movie level bullying like no one was run over <laughs> by a truck at school or anything. We're talking the DC Comics movies. Yeah. Where all the bullies are uh, horrific. <laughs> so. Like as in the movie Aquaman, to throw back to what we were talking sure, about earlier. Sure, or, But especially Shazam. Or Shazam, where someone gets hit by a car. Just as if that's a thing bullies would actually <laughs> that's do. That's bullies do. And they start like just, just kicking the kid with the crutches. <laughs> Amazing. So there wasn't. Amazing. You know, it was much more subtle than that, right? Like bullying could just be ostracism. Yeah. You know, like just leave leave that kid alone, like not play with him at lunch, not include them in sports, not whatever, right? So yeah. those are the sort of things. And when people know that you're different than them, then they want to. There's a dis- there's a distance between. You. And even if you don't want there to be a distance between you, they they're not interested in you in, in the same way anymore. So yeah, th- that kid did experience that for sure. Yeah, and his attentions became more. He became like uh, he started doing like musical theater and stuff like that as a young kid, and that was kind of his outlet. His you know. And, Mine too, to a degree. Sure, yeah. sure, and that was his way, his parents' way of getting him out of school and into a world where he was more could be more accepted, I guess, than he was at school, where he was a very young kid, you know, a year younger than everyone else in his grade. And my problem with that kind of thing is that I don't know if he was particularly gifted. I don't feel like he was smarter than I was as a kid, but that he was more. It was just he had like really strict parents. Like when his dad whistled for him to come home, he was gone like a shot. Mm. Because if he wasn't, he would get in big trouble. Whereas my mom called 
she would have to call like three times before we would even think about what going home. And it was that last call when we could hear the anger in her voice. We're like, <laughs> we, we got to go, you know, like, and that was the big trouble. <laughs> you will only come when there's trouble. And she, but, but when we got home, she wasn't mad anymore. She's just mad that we weren't coming. Right. So when we got home, then it was over. But when his dad called, that's a, that is an imperial command and you better, better skedaddle that's real fast. Bad. And I'd be like, you don't have to go. Your dad just called first call or whatever <laughs> in my, my system. Yeah. He's like, oh no, I got to go. And so he uses off like a shot. Boom. So yeah. So if you knew that you were gifted though. Yeah. Would it make would a difference? It, no. Would it have gone to your head and you would have. Oh, of uh, course. You know me. I'd be lording it over everyone. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you, you know, you try to, you try to use what you have. Yeah. You know, when you're like scrambling at times, you sure, know, no sure. one knows what's going on. I think I would have quickly discovered how little ammunition there was in being gifted. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gifted. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fisty. There you go. You've learned a valuable lesson. Well, the velocity of your fist is traveling at shubbity boobity boo. But that's, but gifted is not like, it's intelligence, but it's not like being like this, a smarty pants. It's just a different way of learning, right? Right. But like, okay, so you're doing the IQ test. Now, is that uh, is that showing uh, what information you are, have already got? Or is it how you process information? Yeah, it's showing how you learn and how you process information. Okay. So you don't study for an IQ test. You just write it. Right. But, there, but isn't there a portion of it that's like, because uh, I, I remember... Uh, doing one where uh, vocabulary was one of them. It was like, you know, this is to that as this is to that. Was that okay, not part sure, of it? Sure. So that that is not uh, figuring it out on the spot. That's just, you know, those yeah, words sure, generally. Sure. So what if you already like got? So yeah. there is a certain amount of you've already absorbed this information. Yeah, otherwise you can't yeah. do it. Yeah. I was just wondering if, if. But it's not related to school. Like school doesn't go, okay, we're going to study these words because they're on the IQ test. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not related to that. It's not but related to But you have been learning. absorbing those words through your life, and so now you know these words. Yeah, and, and yeah. if you do not observe words, or absor- uh, absurd, if you do not... Absorb. Absorb words the way that uh, right. other kids do, or, you know, or if you... You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have that sort of lexicography So is this skill, saying, then, uh, if you're good on IQ, yeah. but you're not good in school, is that the flaw of you, or is that the flaw of the school? Because it feels like you are a computer that can absorb yeah. data and process data. Yeah. And this person who is the teacher sure. is not uh, inputting data in a way that is getting through to you. Well, like, I know you can always go like, I'm, he's lazy. And, it, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you're not lazy with absorbing all of the rest of this information. So it feels like it's not a lazy situation. It's a, uh, you know, the methods that are being presented in teaching are flawed because you can absorb the information from other, from other ways. Well, there's, there's, there's different problems. One is that school is a, is a kind of an assembly line. Like it's, it's like the most, you know, it's just like we can't have all the edges taken care of. So we take care of the middle as much as we can. Sure. So if you fit into that middle box of what school's good, how it teaches, then you'll do very well. But if you have ADHD or if you're a gifted learner or if you're on a spectrum, you will have more trouble in school. At, when we went through school, nowadays right. there's more help for these sort of things. Okay. But when we went to school, it was pretty much the, a middle block that you could push the most people through like a sausage. And the ones that fell outside of that kind of hit the wall and were left behind. Okay. And that's so, just how it was. So let, let's, yeah, let's look at a kid. Like- it's no one's fault, really, because even school isn't even designed for boys as much as it's designed for girls. 
Oh, the way I, school, the way you learn that. in school, schools were designed in the early days as a way to teach girls. And so they're, they're very much sedentary and rote learning and stuff like that, that, you know, girls do better than boys at because boys don't have a long-term attention spans the way the girls do. We miss that. We're missing that little social chromosome that girls have. It's missing from our brains. And so like, I remember when the girls went to elementary school, because so many, in fact, almost all the girls took French immersion that left a lot of boys hanging around with in a class on their own. And so that class was treated as a class for boys. And so it was taught differently. So they had more outdoor time as okay. amongst the learning. And so they would learn for a couple of hours and they would go outside and play soccer. And then they'd come back in and they would do some more desk work and then they'd go outside and play more. And they also had the resets and lunch breaks as well. And it was just a way of keeping them from, you know, because that's just the way they are. And the, my, the principal of that school, she really felt that schools weren't ideally designed for, for boys. She thought that they had been ideally designed for, for way girls learn. Now, if that's true, I don't know. University is different. University, how university, how you learn in university is different than how you learn in school as yeah, well. Yeah, we went to university, but go ahead. Yeah, so it's it's just it's not rote. It's more about concepts, right? So when you take a class, like if you take math, you're not given like a textbook in most cases where you just go through and do problems, like pages of problems, and hand them in for marking or hand them back for marking. You learn like co concepts and stuff like that, and it's just a different way of of approach. And so some people who do really well in high school don't do as well in university okay. and find it quite difficult because what, how they like to learn in, in high school isn't copied into the university system. So in university, generally, you're going towards a certain goal. So the subjects are uh, in somewhat connected you know, to each other. Is that, is that the case or, or no? How do you mean? Oh, you mean like so if you're taking English... So you wouldn't, be, major. you wouldn't be taking like an English course and then also have to take a math course and also have to take a biology course. What I'm saying... You do at the beginning. You do? Okay. Yeah. Like you have to take a science course. You don't have to take necessarily take biology, but you do have to have like a science. You have to take like science courses. And you Why have to is take, that? I think it's the idea that you get a rounded education that gives you, you know... Well, what if you know what you want to do? Like why? what's the point of... Like you will not need that well, because, if you're... Well, but you do need it. You need to be a full you're rounded gonna be person. A you're going to be a... Do you? <laughs> yeah. You just want to be a machine that only knows one thing. You want to be like a, a kind of a, that's the idea of university, right? It's universal. This idea that you could teach all these different subjects, not just have a person only know one. Oh, one I see, I always thought it was the opposite, which is like, finally, you get to just learn the things that you give a shit about. And you oh, can okay. actually focus on those things. Oh, no. Because if, you're paying, a, only. You're paying a fortune. <laughs> so it's like, you yeah. know, to have to pay to like learn yet another fucking subject that like you, you, you know, maybe one day you'll be interested, but you're yeah. not. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is going to be a distraction. You also have to like do this. And it's like, but I've got to study this. Yeah, but, you know, set that hour aside to to learn, you know, the depths of photosynthesis. Sure. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Why do I need this little trip down this road <laughs> when I'm, I want to be a librarian? Like, I understand a librarian has to know uh, a lot yeah. about a lot. That's a bad yeah. example. <laughs> But well, you know, if you if you've got like a specific career goal, yeah. and everything is geared towards, okay, say you want to be a biologist, is it really important sure. for you to take an English degree and like really get do not a, a deep degree, dive? Not a degree, no, no, but take an English class. Yeah, is it yeah. really important for you to take that? You know, so you want to be a biologist? Yeah, is it is it really important for you to take that deep dive on Chaucer 
and really, really understand what Chaucer was talking about. Sure. When it's like, no, I want to know about, you know, genetics and I want to know this, that and the other. It's like, yeah, yeah but you want to be a well-rounded person. Sure. Well, yes, in life. But right now I'm trying to be a biologist. Yeah. You know, it but feels it probably, I mean, I think one thing a science has taught us is that it would be good to have empathic scientists who don't Does just think make... about, don't just think about the, the problem, but also its effects, you know? So okay. I think that's something that if you round out a person's character that they're conscious of more than just, they're not just thinking about the intricacies of the, of the problem, but also the effects of their, maybe, of their yeah, things maybe. they're doing. You know? there's, a, there's definitely an argument to be made that I would have to debate that in a philosophy class. <laughs> but it's interesting though, like I had a, a neighbor down the street from me who's a really smart kid and he, he was a couple years younger than me and he went to SFU and he was all, his dad was a banker and he was set on, on an MBA. He was going to get a, take it, you know, go into business, blah, blah, blah. And he got to university and of course, same thing, had to take some beginner classes and this and that and took, did take an introductory class to philosophy and fell in love with it. And that became his thing. And he just went on, went on his, into philosophy. And the business part became just a secondary interest to him. It was something that he did as a side thing. Like he was also really interested in stocks and stuff sure. like that. But that he could do on his own. He didn't need to, you know, he felt he didn't need to have like a diploma to do those sort of things. But he was really fascinated by philosophy and that's what he pursued. Mm-hmm. So you just never know when you walk in the doors of a place what where things will take you. you. Yeah, you might find that incredibly dull and stupid and you'd rather go to a beer party it's, or you might... It's not really that it's dull. I think it's an act of distraction from your goals. And like at a certain point, you need to focus, focus, focus. Yeah. Like if you want to be a doctor... You got to fucking focus like you're there and that's the thing. And if you have someone going, you got to take a dance class, you know, (sighs) look, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you know, and and that that to me was always the big pain in the ass of high school. And then to a degree, college is when even even taking drama, which you'd go like, oh, boy, you know, this, you know, this is all going to be, you know, a a wank class. But, you know, I I just have to like, you know, take these movement classes where like, you know, I got to do two hours of dance in the morning. Mm. And I'm like, it's painful. And it's just like, I'm not going to be a dancer. And I'm learning tap dancing. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm paying for this class. And like, I've got to get up now three hours early. I've got to walk up this fucking hill. I got to do, I got to tap dance. Yeah. Like, I understand it's like, you know, maybe there'll be a place for this later on, but it's just like, this is time badly spent, you know? Huh. And I get, you know... It's Tell that to Christopher Walken, I guess. It's, I'm sure he loved it. <laughs> and like, I, again, I'm a musical theater guy. I like... Chris I Evans. Like, you know, I like... Da- I even like dance. Like, I'll I'll be down with, like, learning dance, but, like, you know, that was just an example of... Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. You I know? mean, I, I will agree with you to... to uh, and I'll... Go on your side, but like Mary, when she went to university, she w- went in with the idea of she wanted to be an editor. Yeah. And she told us, you know, and so they said, well, this is the program you have to follow to become an editor. And it wasn't like a bunch of English literature classes is what you'd, wa- you'd think you'd want to be taking as someone who's going to become an editor. It was like uh, business classes and statistics and things. She's just like, well, this is awful. So it just completely derailed any of her d- dreams to become an editor. And she discovered a fascination with history. And that's, that's the, the, path she took yeah but i do feel like the school like you know sort of ruined her dreams of becoming an editor by creating this program that's not for people who are literature lovers but for people who are like business people and that's not what she was about she wanted to become like a publisher or own, yeah. own a company it's like at what point does do do the school stop holding your hand yeah and go okay you know i'm in every other respect we're definitely going to charge you as an adult mm-hmm. 
But like, you know, we're going to try and treat you as an adult. And yeah. Like, what are your choices and what are your decisions? And what do you want to study? I want to study this, that, and that. Oh, sweetie, no. <laughs> you need to also learn, you know, how to make a flan. Because, you know, you got to be a person who knows all this stuff. So mm-hmm. we're going to... No, no, shh, shh, quiet, quiet, stupid. You got you to gotta learn this other stuff as well. I, I even like... Um, in in high school, when we were doing Fiddler on the Roof, yes, uh, you know, we would have our rehearsals, and then I think like every rehearsal, we'd have at least uh, like an hour of uh, like calisthenics. Yeah, you know, we would we would have that as as part of it, mm-hmm. and you know, the director of it, you know, uh, Mr. Vint would just would be like, you know, I just want to make sure you're all in shape for this. And it was like, motherfucker, it's like another hour of gym. You know, just threw, thrown on, thrown yeah, on yeah. to the fucking fire. Were you and, dancing for this? Uh, no, it was like uh, exercise, exercise. No, no, but I mean, were you dancing in the show? Um, there were dance numbers, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was dance numbers. But like... Seems like a long time to be doing stretches, but... It was, it was a long time to be doing all the stuff that we were doing. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, also the amount of time it would take you know, from of rehearsals, we're not going to get in shape in that amount of time. We're no. not going to get in shape in like this three to four weeks <laughs> of doing these exercises. And like, yeah, well, yeah. now we can do it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I think he just thought like, ah, gonna get these kids to work out and, you know, it's, it's healthy for them to get some exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just like, oh, maybe it's a way of, maybe it's a way of keeping everyone, maybe doing the show gets everyone very hyped up. Maybe. This is a way of tearing out the teenagers just so that they stayed at a certain level. I mean, I feel like if if it was like a dance... Was it a real hour? I think so, yeah. It was like a substantial amount of damn time. That's a long time. Like, we were were like really tired at the end of it. And Mm -hmm. there was people there that, you know, we were high school kids, some of us in shape. Yeah. You know, and we're still like, (laughs) oof. And it's like, okay, now let's rehearse. (laughs) Sure, fine. Yeah. And like, all right, here we go. Yeah. That's funny. I you know I always recommend people at work do do stretches before they start, but hardly They're anyone ever does. Men. But it's manly men, and we're doing heavy lifting and stuff like that. And usually on the spur of the moment, like if you don't do stretches, suddenly you're lifting up seventy pounds over your head. You know, yeah, and that's not good for you. I don't think there's enough uh, examples of uh, men stretching. Like I really, I really don't. <laughs> like I think like when you think of uh, men working out, you sure. think like uh, they're on the Nautilus machine. Mm-hmm. They're uh, wiggling the ropes. The CrossFit ropes. No, you're right. I mean, men also avoid doing aerobics as well. Mm. Yeah. They, they mean, don't enjoy that well. Because there's no, there's no like, you can't stand in front of a mirror and, and uh, flex your aerobics. Like your cardio isn't, true. isn't like visible on your, on your biceps, right? So. Yeah, but they very seldom show like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, you know, like, and here's my warm ups. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you warm up. This yeah. is incredibly important. You probably did. The older didn't. you get, the more that you do. Yeah, you probably didn't though. Wow, that's real tough. Yeah. You know, that's a good way to tear your something something. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. but if you do it all the time, it's less likely you're going to do it. It's just coming into it cold that's going to make it harder for your mm-hmm. body. But for sure, I mean, I do stretches every day that I go to the gym. I finish with stretches. But I'm 50. Did you always six. do that? No, I started when I started getting a sore back. And it was because my hamstrings were tight and they're pulling on my lower back. Yeah. So I was getting... and so It feels like most people do it when they need to do it later. Yeah. But it's not... When you when you consider no. like I'm going to the gym, yeah, yeah. Well, time to just get on the treadmill, start <laughs> off, and now go the weights, yeah. and now the. You know why? Because we're guys. We're dumb. That is what I'm saying about there needs to be uh, a male example of okay, sure. Hey, dum dums, stretch it out. <laughs> it's you know, not. You it's like, not romantic though. Do you like ripping something? Yeah. You know, just like this is. Who wants to watch that on Facebook? 
Yeah. You want to see people lifting 450 pounds or whatever they do in there. Yeah, Jesus. I uh, think, oh, you're back. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be sorry in a year or two. So with the, uh, with the gifted thing, uh, you don't think it would have changed things for you? Or do you think it would change things if you'd known? <sighs> Who knows? It just would have been nice to... I mean, maybe the maybe it would just have been like consolation. Like I would have been like, well, I'm still doing terrible in school, but... At least I'm, at least I'm gifted. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really well, that, don't would know. that make it better or worse? Like I'm wondering, like you know, would that you, you, you would you have more self confidence, or would you go like even gifted? I can't get this. You know, I'm like <laughs> I, even gifted. I can't get laid. <laughs> no, I would have. Oh, was it gifted and getting laid? No, was it wasn't. Part of the, that wasn't part of it. Though. That was not an IQ <laughs> test, by the way. <laughs> um, now the thing is, is that when I grew up. I never thought of myself as smart, though. Like, I never thought of myself as smarter than other kids. Okay. And I actually, it wasn't until I was in grade 11, I guess, that a teacher said to me, not everyone is as smart as you. Because I would get really frustrated when people wouldn't understand what I was trying to say in class. I'd be like, no, 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 what I'm saying is blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, oh, I think that, you know, and I'd just be like, oh, this is so frustrating. And yeah, her response was, not everyone is as smart as you, so they don't understand what you're saying. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and it just never occurred to me before. Because I just thought everyone was equally smart. And that you just chose to just ignore it. And it's because you just were lazy or you just didn't care. And so you're just like, ugh, I don't want to learn this stuff. Stupid. But that's what I was like, you know? So I just assumed we were all the same. We either we'd like stuff or we didn't. And so it wasn't a matter of intelligence. It was a matter of, ugh, who cares? Math. <laughs> Rather to draw on the top of my book and do a long thing about a car racing and hitting an elephant. You know. Yeah, you hated elephants so much. I hated elephants so much. Yeah. So I I'd rather cars. I'd rather draw. You know, I don't know. Maybe didn't, I was when I was in grade whatever. I can't remember. I had the my thickest book was my math book, but it was entirely empty. It was just because along the top of every page was a a little strip that if you kept turning pages, it would show the right. the const like the uh, continuing story of this car going along, which yes included hitting an elephant, but other things jumping off mountains and you know falling down. Racing, falling down to the bottom of the page and racing along the bottom of the page for a while, then coming back up again. Just things like that. That you know, so people would just take it, take my book, and just page through it, see what I added to. Did you think you were uh, gifted as an artist? Like in uh, no, you were wrong. You were. <laughs> no. uh, you definitely, you definitely were, and 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 had that obsession that you know allowed it to kind of come out as well. Did you think you were obsessed as an artist? No, I just think it was something I really enjoyed doing, uh-huh. and I and so I pursued it. I do remember when I was. Better than my friend who had been better than me. Okay. And I remember that he quit at that at that moment drawing. Okay. Which I thought was odd. That was. <laughs> so, like, I guess maybe you just thought, oh, I can't get any better, so I might as well stop. I don't know. No, there's people definitely like that. That if they can't be the best in something, that's it. Then you're done. And yeah. That's too bad. Because there is all. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's such a weird. It's such a weird thing. But what he was good at was draw reproducing other people's art. Yeah. Like he could draw like a really great dogmatics. He could uh, do a really great scamp, you know, but he was just copying those yeah. images from other places. There was, a, yeah, there was a kid we had that uh, was amazing for that kind of stuff. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But I guess I was just drawing all the top of my head, and that was beyond. He just went, oh well, forget. <laughs> so he didn't want to draw with me anymore. Basically, we just did other things together. Right. But that was uh, that was off the table. Is uh, literally off the table because that's where we were drawing the kitchen table. Well, I knew you were a good artist when I saw this one drawing you did. It was someone jumping through glass. And you drew every little breaking thing of glass. And even then I knew, like, you don't need this much glass. But 
<laughs> the obsession that you have to draw every little bit of glass mm-hmm. will transfer into other things that you will work on. You will put this amount of effort into them, and then those will also be good. You know, and so there you that's go. interesting. Yeah, you know, it's just like there's something in you that's like you know you, you're you're not lazy. You know, drawing wise, yeah, you, know, you could easily you know I've had like a quarter of that amount of glass <laughs> in there, but you had to. You know, it was like no, no. Yeah, it's it never looked this. as good if it only had. Right, but uh, look as good to who? Like, what's yeah, the matter? Yeah. To me, yeah. That's the thing. The ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate judge, yeah. 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 No, that's true. I don't remember that drawing, but it sounds like you a cool You don't remember drawing. the drawing? It's <laughs> like a character of yours who, like, uh, got startled by something and jumped through a window. Okay. And it was just an insane amount of glass as, uh, you know, as it jumped through this window. Oh. And it was a yeah, black background and then, like, all, all this glass. Uh, huh. And it was, yeah, it was very, very impressive. Sounds fun. It was like, it was a next level. It was one of those things where I, you could tell, like, this is beyond what a high school kid should be able to do. Mm. And it's like, all right, that's good. That's that's taking it to wherever this is. Mm. And I could see that with other people I knew with whatever they were doing. Yeah. It's just like, well, this yeah. is better than, you know, this is this is not this. Sure. And, you know, sure. there's probably no place for this here. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it was interesting. Uh, where I did best learning was if a teacher gave me uh, a set amount of time and just my own and just gave me a textbook or whatever to do on my own. I did a lot better in that situation than I would doing through class. And I think that's because early on, my teachers wanted to stop me from going ahead. And so they would like, you know, so like a reader, they would, you know, put an elastic band around the pages so that I couldn't read past that point. And just because of that, that, and so I had to wait for everyone to catch up, which is incredibly boring and frustrating. So you get frustrated and then you just shut down on school. And so then by the time I was going to grade two, I was, I was finished school. I was done with school. I was literally over school. Yeah. I would just sit at my desk with a, a book in my lap that I would hide in my desk and I would pull it into my lap and then I would just sit and read yeah. and not pay attention to class, which is apparently frustrating to teachers. But uh, yeah, I was just over it by, at that point. Grade two. Yeah, you were, disrupt- I was done. <laughs> you were a disruptive element. <laughs> but in a way, what even more frustrating in it, because it was in a way that's almost positive to learning and the, the yeah. things that they should be encouraging. It's right. But you're still fucking up the class. Yeah, yeah. So they got to almost sacrifice you for the good of the class. Yeah, that's why I got put into a class of problem children in grade four. Nice. Because I read too much in class. That's fantastic. <laughs> that shows school works. <laughs> again, like, you know, my school, I went to, went to Catholic school, and, you know, so we had nuns who would, like, occasionally interrupt something because uh, they'd get something wrong and accuse someone of the wrong thing and then... Uh, Slap our hands. So mm. it's like you're in the middle of learning something, and now you got to like go and line up, and now you got to get physically punished for something you didn't do. Uh, does that affect your learning? Yeah, <laughs> fucking does. This place is this place is a shithole. This is stupid. Every, these dum dums don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think you might have been a gifted learner? I was, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, for I sure. know that I sounds so like an ego. No, no, I don't think it's an ego thing because it's a. I think it's a wrong word to use, gifted yeah. learner. I think it's just a way of trying to make it a very difficult situation for kids. But that's not necessarily better. that's not necessarily a good thing. Like um, the things that made me a gifted learner, yeah, uh, were fucking me up though too. You know, because it's an obsession yeah. about things, and so you obsess about. You know, I, I can obsess about something to the point where I get quite good at it. Yeah. But I also obsess about, you know, stressful things as well. And so mm. it was a, a real mess to the point where I'm like in grade uh, six and the teachers are like worried, really worried about me because mm-hmm. I'm such a mess. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, they put me into musical theater and, and, and that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like if there was something that I like really liked, 
like comics. All right, I'm just going to work the hell like crazy on comics. <laughs> I'm going to work the heck on on writing. Yeah. Or even like for a while when I was I, I I learned piano for a while, and the teacher was just like, yeah, he's in the top whatever percentile of of this, which I didn't know that till way later. And then uh, yeah, yeah, she would you were very gifted and you this is this. Sure. Then I went to drama classes. And then, you know, I won the whatever BC Drama Award for blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, I was on TV, you know, like pretty regularly for like my early teen years, just mm-hmm. sending in scripts yeah. to fucking CBC and shit. So like, you know, I was working on a show called Downtown Saturday Night, even though I didn't get anything on. I was still working on it. Yeah. And I and I look back on that and I go like, I was 14. <laughs> I was 14. I was a 14 fucking year old kid. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm there on a show with like Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery. And, you know, and, uh, and all these celebrities and, and I'm just like, yeah, this is normal. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think I was probably gifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was always like the youngest kid, you know, at whatever thing I was doing mm-hmm. because yeah, I, w- I would hyper-focus on something until I was good at it to, to, you know, get away from the shitty places I was at. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I just learned to keep my head down. Just keep, keep your head down, Dave. To a degree, right. yeah. Be fine. No, no. If no one pays attention to you, it's all good. Yeah. Though there was always some kids that would like be looking for trouble, and so sure. you know they would hunt you down anyway. Yeah. I found a joke at word off, uh, word off death. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, unless they consider that to be a threat to them, and that you know they want to be the funniest. Person. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't have. That. Or maybe they're yeah. too dumb to get the joke. <laughs> no, I decided. I remember there was one kid who would. Regularly come with a threat to punch me unless I had a, a joke to tell him. Yeah. So I had a joke every day. I re- yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. It's like Usually I'd ask my dad. I'd be like, Dad, do you know any like, jokes I could tell? <laughs> and I got a book of jokes that I memorized jokes from. Yeah, you regularly tell. You tell two stories. One is that story. And the other story is the one about your, uh, your brother being like smashed through the ceiling. And then uh, them, uh, it, someone saying, don't bug him. He's Dave Dedrick's brother. Yeah. And in both those stories, like, I know they're both good stories, but in both those <laughs> stories, I think, like, that kid needs to be out of school. That kid who's threatening to, to punch someone every day yeah, yeah, yeah. and Johnny smash through the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both those kids need to, like, it's a you different, know, yeah, out it's a you different, go. Different world. Yeah. Different world in those days. Yeah, yeah. Grade 10, grade, grade 10 kids. I mean, I, I, I shake my head at schools nowadays that are grade 12 to grade, grade 8. That's bananas. It's bananas because grade 12s are like adults practically. It feels, like, it feels like you could be there with your stepson and you could both be in the same school. <laughs> like me in grade 11 with the kids in grade 12 shop area, I felt I felt like a puny. I was compared to being like a rodent amongst Tyrannosaurus Rexes, you know. Like, yeah. I was just like nothing to them. They, they were just huge hulking Yeah, they're beasts. fucking lumberjacks on one side of <laughs> the building. I was six building. feet tall. I was over six feet tall. That's and right. I, and then hobbits are on nothing. the other yeah. side. That's right. The elven folk. But they wear their big Dayton boots and their Mac jackets and would come straight down the hallway with full beards and, yeah. and their long hair and everything. You're just like... Ooh. Yeah, just like oozing <laughs> testosterone. And uh, yeah, I just... Nope, not for me. But that was my mistake for not, not knowing through osmosis because we weren't told that we had to go into school early to get our locker. So I ended up at the shop side of the school because that was the only place left to yeah. have my locker. And uh, yeah, what did I like? It feels like the start of a Canadian movie. feels like, and then you become befriend the shop kids. And <laughs> nope. The arts kid never befriends happened. the shop that kids. Never happened. We, we all learn a good lesson about, you know, yeah. we're all the same really inside. I just lived on the opposite side of the school, that side of the school. Just drag all your books around with you all day long. So even though, okay, so you were not, so you were gifted, but you didn't know you were gifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were having troubles in school uh, to the point where 
you know, your mom sent you to this this person. Uh, yeah, I mean, I failed math every every year, basically. Right. I would take summer school. But you still liked school. Yeah, I like school. Okay, there you go. Like, well, I like the social part of school. Like, I like going to school and seeing friends. Right, okay. And hanging around at lunch, yakking in the library, uh, watching, um, going, what, doing the, going, going to the library and looking at film strips. Yeah. You know, sitting there and do that. Uh, those things I enjoyed. Like, I thought that was fun about school. I like, I like a lot of my teachers. I got along well with teachers. You like the structure of, like, uh, every day you, you go to school? You like that? I do like structure. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I did like that. I like, I enjoyed, I mean, I preferred senior high school to junior high school. That was a kind for of a sure. lonely time for me. Mo- partly because I had moved just before we started junior high school, basically. And then, and I was kind of split between friends from where I'd grown up and then right. new people. And I didn't really know very many people in, in Delta. And so that was kind of a lonely time. But by the time I got to senior high school, I was, I was very happy. And it felt like a much broader group of people to find, uh, you know, sympathetic people amongst you know but i i used to joke that i had nerd dar but i don't think i have nerd dar so much as i have kind dar like i'm able to see people and see if they're kind or not and that's my way of like recognizing if i want to like know someone Mm -hmm. as well as them being interesting it's just kindness isn't enough but if you know and i've kind of i think i developed that very early on as a kid you know just to kind of avoid getting into scrapes you know you just kind of know you just like that person is on my wavelength i can know that person this person not a me. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where I got that from. Yeah, I don't think like I necessarily. Well, like I'm glad we were friends then, because I don't. I don't necessarily <laughs> think I was kind. Though people, people seem to think I was. Though, uh, so maybe they were right. And uh, but I look back on it and just go, woof. Well, like, yeah. I mean, well, we're all assholes as teenagers. That's an unavoidable facet of teenage teenage. Yeah, I went well into my twenties with that as yeah. well. Yeah, well, 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 well. <laughs> I always thought you were kind, so, you know. Yeah, there's a bit of me that's, like, always kind of wanted to go, like, uh, and you should never turn this rock over <laughs> and just go, like, well, what do you mean? Like, when was I fucking nice? You know, and I can't think of, like, a time where I was, you know, not thinking of myself and just, like, but, you know, to be to be honest, you know, I was having a hard time and I'm just trying to survive and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, okay. You know, and I think I, I think I was fun. I think I was fun to be around. Sure. Uh, but I, yeah, kind. You're super, you're a super supportive person. I mean, if that was for your own benefit, I don't know. You might have had jealousies and stuff like that. That maybe, but you didn't really show that. You're super, actually really supportive in ways that I I wasn't as a. Well, this teenager. is the strange thing. It's like you know we're having uh, we're having like a dinner with a friend from high school uh, tomorrow. Oh, so you're going over his high school things in your mind, and you're doing the. <laughs> that's what I've been doing this maybe, week. Maybe to, maybe to some degree. Um, <sighs> You know, I mean, it's the kind of thing that Facebook uh, makes you do sometimes where, okay. you know, someone will friend you on Facebook or yeah. say something or they'll have a picture of you or something. And uh, I'll just go like, oh, boy, <laughs> like you just remember yeah. what you were and you were just this mm-hmm. big bag of need. Yeah, yeah. Just this huge bag of, you know, just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's everyone like, was maybe everyone was. And you just have to. I mean, I've forgiven that David a long time ago. I give that guy all the rope in the world. Yeah, I, and he hung. He's hanged himself in it many to, times. To, to, yeah, I understand. I am. Yeah, I can. For, I can forgive myself, but because uh, and especially having a nephew now who is around that age, mm-hmm. and I, I, I look at him, and he is now older 
than a lot of the memories I have of high school or what have you or things that I've yeah. done. And I go like, well, I wouldn't blame him for nothing. He's a kid. Yeah. He's just a kid, you know? You're mm -hmm. just trying to make your way through things. I'm like, I was a kid too. Holy shit, I was a kid. Like, just thinking of like where I was and what I was doing and the stresses I had and the things that were on me. Like, just thinking about like if if he moved out on his own like right now and just like moved out <laughs> to an apartment in, yeah. Bang, in Vancouver yeah. and just like, yeah, good luck paying the rent and mm -hmm. uh, he was in the same circumstances I was and just like, shit you know whereas i look back on myself and just go like you couldn't even do you couldn't even keep an apartment you couldn't even do this you couldn't even do that i'm like yeah but you were a kid you were a kid you were just a kid and you know it's okay to make mistakes you know because that's not what people tell you i know it's a wrong it's a wrong thing people tell you because it's okay to go through it's okay if you live a life without resent without regret you haven't lived your life. Right. But that's, again, not something you're ever told. Like, I know. you're not told that in, in high school. It's like, <laughs> know, it's... get out there and make some mistakes. <laughs> it's just like, you know. Okay. Well, the girls have heard this many times. So. From, from you. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a very different situation, I think. I know. Because I feel, I feel like we were underprepared for what we went through in, in our lives. And I think our culture underprepared people for, for life. I think there's a, uh, yeah. I it taught I, us things like driving. But well, it didn't tell you. Not me, but yes. Yeah. Well, me neither. I, luckily, I met Lisa, who taught me how to drive. But you know, those are things that were you were expected to learn. You know, these sort of practical things, but not like emotional survival. There was no, nothing like that that we grew up with. You know, there's no sense of like it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to. Well, we were told it's all right to cry. That was that was like uh, our. Generation hey, big boys like, don't cry. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, that's that true. Pretty well known thing. I well, I, I heard, oh, Jesus, who's the guy? <laughs> who's the who's a Rosie Greer? Let me know that it's all right to cry. Okay, from, okay. Uh, uh, free to be you and me because you know it was <laughs> it was the old, but that was more like boys should be yeah, able yeah, to, yeah, to, to yeah. cry. But I think like the the general theme, but it's that, okay to cry. Like in that case, though, they're saying it's okay to cry when you're sad, or but they're but they're not saying it's okay to feel like you know existential dread it's 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 not okay it's, you know like they, there's no like getting you ready for preparing you for like how you're going to feel about graduating and the, the total fear you're going to have to just step across the threshold almost one of the best things for that is peanuts yeah because you got like kids, yeah, kids in there who are like you know sad i'm depressed yes. oh you know like it's like the first holiday special you know like christmas special uh, that's just like, ugh, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, everyone is like, yay, Christmas. But even the opening song, which is like a pro-Christmas song. Yeah. Christmas time is here. It's, it's very cool. It's, it's, it's sad. sad. <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah. Listen, calm it's the fuck down. Yeah, that's right. We're all having issues. Okay, this is too commercial. <laughs> this is yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would say just in general, you know, with school, the underlying theme, and again, at home, the underlying theme was succeed or die. Like it was, you got to succeed. You got to work hard. You got to get to college. You got to do this. You got to get to that next step. Mm. You got to get a good job. You got to, or what? Basically, you're homeless. Basically, that's <laughs> it, right? Yeah. It's like there's no option of just like, what if I don't go to college? Yeah. It's yeah. just like, well, you're fucked then. <laughs> you're fucked. You're yeah. fucked. You're living in the street. You're living in an alley. You know, enjoy giving out blowjobs, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's it. You got nothing, you know. And so and so you, you know, when you do get to those various stages where you fail, what no prep at, yeah. at all. And just but, like, you but know, do you feel like your parents ever knew you? Do you think I, they knew you? Like, did they 
you know, like I know they took you to musical theater and stuff like that. But the problem with that, and my parents bought me a drawing board and, and things like that. But yeah. at the same time, as I was getting these sort of positive reinforcements, I was getting negative reinforcements as well. That was, yes, we'll buy a drawing board, but in no way you should ever dream that this would be a life right, that right, you could live. The biggest fear is you will follow that dream and then fail. But yeah. And yeah. if you fail, then, then it's your a son is, again, <laughs> giving out, I'm changing it to hand jobs, <laughs> giving out hand jobs behind the movie theater. Oh my God, hand jobs. You know. <laughs> what would the neighbors think? <laughs> well, it depends if they're one of the customers or not. But yeah, that's that's it, you know, like yeah, and that that actually is true. And then the pro, the the worst thing is not that you'd be hurt, but what would the neighbors think? What would the neighbors think? Exactly, that's exactly what my mom lived her life by. Not what's good for the kids, but what would the neighbors think of how my children behave? Yeah, I mean, eventually I get to the point where I realize it's like it's better for me to do the things that I love and fail rather than to do the things I don't like and succeed. Yeah, you know. Whereas to them, the idea of you know, it, I mean, it goes from obviously my grandparents. You know, came from a time where if you, if there was failure, you would die. You would starve. Like, they're sure. so worried that everything would be taken away in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. that some disaster would occur, and then yeah. it's all taken away. And and they, and they and that's what they would let me know. It could all go away in a flash. It yeah. could all go away in a bit. And my parents were less like that mm-hmm. and just more that you've got to prepare. But if you prepare, you'll be fine. Yeah. But, you know, here's the steps. Yeah. Go up the steps, and the steps are this. And there you go. And I think there's so many people that got that. And then when the steps didn't lead to whatever, then it was like, oh, they kind of turn on the world and they're really bitter about it. like, well, the world's fucked up and who's to blame? And it's like, it's immigrants. That's those, the, or whoever the hell it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's women. It's uh, yeah. something else. It can't be me because mm-hmm. this was the system I was told about. Yeah. I actually kind of go more with my grandparents thing of like, yeah, this could be taken away in a, in a second. And like that mentality works better for now where you know we just had the last two years and i know you've been able to keep your job through this but you know it's like oh there was a pandemic and what happened everything got taken away yeah it all just went away basically what your grandparents said they were right Mm -hmm. all got taken away gone sure and like there's nothing you could do and it was a big world thing and then uh, it's kind of wrapping up well here comes world war three maybe (laughs) or maybe not who knows you never can tell and if it's not that guy it could be another guy who'll do the thing who knows you don't know yeah you know so you you know know. you gotta you gotta roll with it which was my grandparents thing yeah it was like you know uh prepare sure well you know i'm sure they grew up through the war so they're yeah that shaped who they were the same way my grandma grew up in the depression and that shaped who she was that's the thing and they grew up with parents from the depression yeah so they know that side of things right yeah so it's like yeah it can all just go sideways and then you know all of a sudden a czar gets shot and (laughs) and uh we're off to the races yeah yeah but there was i think there was with my parents uh there was a real well that's all fixed and now as long as your kids study sure. hard yeah. and go to university, yeah. they're set. You follow they, this plan. They will buy a house. Yeah. They will have kids. Yeah. They will be fine. Yeah. I think most diseases are cured now. <laughs> Things are fine. I yeah. don't think people are smoking anymore. Uh, it's all fine. <laughs> We're going to be all right. Yeah. And uh, nope. No, never. It's not that way at all. Yeah. But. I mean, there was a lot of, clearly there was a lot of denial in my family. You know, my dad. Went through some stuff and uh, would not admit that it ever happened. Sure. You know, so uh, and and my mother went through some stuff and it was not the thing that was ever talked about. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it was like that kind of stuff. And like, no, we never say that. And it's like all of this stuff then just fucking came up and bit everyone on the fucking ass. Yeah. You know, later on. Sure. You know, all the stuff that was held back and like, we're going to keep it away from the kids. We're yeah, going to yeah. hurt them. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Nothing's better than secrets. Yeah. Look at this. Look at that. You're complaining about a tsunami. The water's going out. It's going way out. It's so far away now. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all fine. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be slowly coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. We'll stop it when it gets here. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Now the girls knew, know that I went through a, a period of deep depression when they were younger. They know that. Yeah, I don't I don't see the point of keeping these things. But uh, that is secret. not your parents' generation. No, it's not. It's, it's part of my... I'm going to be the opposite of who my parents were. And maybe there's uh, <laughs> uh, maybe there's something to that of like, you know, uh, but I, I'd say there's a lot of parents now that are still, you know, are not doing that or not feeling like they should expose weakness of themselves to their kids because, you know, it, it, for various for various reasons, you know, they've got yeah. to be the, the stoic, strong, you know, sure. I'm their protector and they need to know I can take any. <laughs> You know, anything. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you don't want to appear invincible. Partly because you created a model that no one could follow. You know, no one can follow that model. No one's perfect. So, yeah. I mean, I hope you know. I hope with my niece and my nephew, what I'm presenting to them is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Yeah. But if things fuck up, okay. Yeah. Just try again. That's okay. You know, try your best. Don't, like, you know, immediately give up on... You know, things that's not just like this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. But like, you know, you're not a failure because something didn't work out. And that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope I hope that's what I'm presenting them. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I got that when I had my screw ups, you know, after uh, after college. I feel like both girls were much readier to live on their own than I, w- I would have been as a as a young adult. I mean, they proved it. They do. They have. Mary has lived successfully away from home for a number of years. She has come back again, mm-hmm. just because of you know losing roommates and things like that and and situations. But you know, she got away with those murders. Well, way clean. We don't talk about it, but okay, of that's one we thing don't we don't talk, talk about, about in the it. family. Foolish. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to talk about murder on the podcast just to build the ratings. <laughs> both, both, uh, both the of them. Podcast, my daughter's murders. Both of them have gone through counseling. You know, like perfectly comfortable with that, which was something I would never have dreamed of doing as a as a young adult to go to counseling. Who uh, is it okay to ask? Like, who suggested that, or did they come up with that on their own? Um, with Mary, we suggested counseling. Eve went on her own. Okay. Eve's much more um, reticent about sharing her life with us. That's her personality. Sure. She's not a. She's a. I think it stems when she was a little girl. Before she went to kindergarten, she could do she could do her ABCs and she could count to a hundred. And I guess we told her teacher she could do that, or I don't know how I, I don't remember, but maybe we did. Her kindergarten teacher who made her do it in front of the class. Oh balls! And Eve fell apart under the pressure and couldn't do it. Oh, that's shit. And I think that was really shook her and changed how she viewed herself from being a very clever girl, which she is a, a super clever that's girl. A, that's a teacher mistake. Yeah, that's a teacher mistake for sure. We were very upset about that teacher mistake because it really did change Eve's view of herself as a learner. And also, Mary was a exceptional reader. Like, she learned to read kind of like her dad did, like super early, and her mom as well, like super early, uh, very easily. There was Mary, when she did her, like, her uh, program of readers, never had, like, a setback. She always... Learn the new rule, whether I before E or how to pronounce the or, you know, the, the TH sound or whatever was introduced. 
kept it all carried, continued forward, never had to go back, never had to go back and read a book. Eve was different. Eve had to go back a little bit and then he'd refresh some of the things and then go forward again. And that would be how she progressed. But to her, because the way her sister learned, that was failure, you know, and so she still has a hard time with reading because to her, I'm not a reader because I couldn't read the way Mary read, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's just, uh, and even at school, she was like that. I'm not a student because I'm not as smart as as Mary, you know, and I'm going to be this kind of student and it wasn't until she got to college that she really blossomed as a, as a student. You know, that's where she really came into her own. And yeah, it's just interesting. But she, yeah, even now, like, you know, she has a boyfriend or a relationship. She will not tell us about it at all unless, you know, her feet are put to the fire <laughs> in some way or she has to. You know, it's just how she is now. Much yeah. more reticent. She'll tell us things, but it, it'll take her a while to get, get to that point. And sometimes it bites her in the ass. And so, yeah, it makes her, uh, it's interesting anyway. But here's a happy story about the girls. Let me just tell oh, you this. Okay. Uh, the other week, did I mention this? I went shopping with Mary, went book shopping. I don't know. In Chilliwack? I don't know. Okay. So I just had like that urge to go look in some bookstores and hadn't been to Chilliwack for quite a while, which has the Bookman, which is the best bookstore in the Lower Mainland. There we go. The Bookman in Chilliwack. In Chilliwack. Yes. The best, the best bookstore. If anyone goes there, they'll, they'll say, you're right, Dave. But also in that same block, there's a bookstore called Nuggets, which is also really good. And I hadn't been to either one in about three years, so because of the pandemic and everything. So I said to Mare, hey, do you want to meet me in Chilliwack and we'll go do some book shopping together? And she's like, sure, that sounds fun. So I drove out there and she came in and met me. And we went to the bookman. I bought a book, some books there. And we went down to Nuggets and talk, talked to the guy who works there because I've known her for quite a few years. And then we, I bought some books there. And then Mary, she was going to do some volunteering. She volunteers at the Bird Sanctuary in Chilliwack because she loves birds. And so she was going to go. And she said, oh, do you want to get some lunch before I leave for volunteering? And I said, sure, let's go. And she and said, you just suggest a place we can go eat and we'll go eat. So she said, oh, well, there's just a little diner up the street. So let's go there. So we went there. and It's uh, all chicken wings. And then you looked at them and went, bird sanctuary. <laughs> Discount chicken wings. These are all different sizes. <laughs> Something suspicious. <laughs> uh, no, Eve was there. Oh. Totally unexpectedly. She was just there at the same time we were. So that was By really the way, funny. a fun thing to do if that happens is go, aha! <laughs> what? So! <laughs> what? It all makes sense now. <laughs> no, just like, yeah. just be accusing no. for no reason. There's too much hugging. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Excellent. That was really a cool moment. Just to, That's the second time it's happened in the last little while, though, because I was shopping at Cabela's for a gift for Mary, mm-hmm. and I ran into the girls there. Oh. I was just standing looking at some boots for, for Lisa. So I was thinking she needed some, some new uh, boot, like field, you know, like gum boots or whatever. And they have a really good brand there. And I was looking at them and then I hear these voices and I'm like, whoop, there, there they are. That used to happen to me with, uh, with you know, again, niece, nephew and my sister and brother-in-law uh, when I would be like Christmas shopping. Okay. And I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to have a Christmas shopping at this mall. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, uh, and then it's like an obscure mall. And I'd be like. Hey, hi, fuck. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, as they say in The Simpsons, buying pornography. This is not a pornography store. Well, I'd better get going. It's good to see you all. Hey, Glenn, where's the nearest pornography store in this area? I'm looking for softcore today. Yeah, right. Kids him, are around. Put him on the spot. I mean, hardcore. Where can I get the hardcore? On the internet. Oh, well. Did you see the guy behind them all giving hand jobs? <laughs> yeah, never went to college. I know, right? Hey, kids, well, go I'm to college. Idiot. Okay, bye. Gotta go. Oh, I went to college. I just didn't finish it. So. Wow. Well. 
<laughs> You're not going to know how to finish the hand shot. Yeah. How do I wrap this up? <laughs> well, the reason they wanted... I'm really to... good at the middle part. What's funny is we went on this long talk, but the reason I brought it all up was that because of the book you're reading, I just thought it was interesting that the idea that a narcissist and a gifted child are considered the same thing in this author's mind. Or maybe they have the same problems. Okay. Yeah. Maybe... May, and gifted again, children are controlling? No, I would Emotionally say controlling? Emotionally my, distant? Uh, my guess would be that the things that make you gifted are obs- involve obsession and kind of cutting off, uh, cutting off what other people think. I think a narcissist does that because it has to all be about you. And I think a gifted child has to be self-obsessed with whatever the thing it is that they're gifted about. They have to care about the piano more than they care about, you know, uh, parents or uh, mm-hmm. you know, opinions of their friends or yeah. whatever around them. And I think there's a lot of uh, common ground between that and narcissism. I all you care about is your, uh, your writing. All you care about is your drawing. All you care about is that. I guess. I think there's a... I do think there's a difference between narcissism and being obsessed, though. But I think there's... Uh, but do you think you can be a narcissist without self-obsession? I, but I, I don't think being gifted means you're self-obsessed. I mean, you're obsessing over uh, a thing you like, but I don't think that makes you but self-obsessed. But okay, but it's not just... Okay, it's not... If you're gifted, mm-hmm. you're the thing. Like, you're the person... It's not you're, not... you're not obsessing over the piano... You're obsessing uh, over yourself as a pianist. No, like no. It, yeah. I don't obsess over myself as an artist. I obsess over what I'm drawing. I don't think of myself as a good artist. I don't think of myself yeah, as a good artist. Yeah, what's making that so. drawing? Yeah, me, but I'm not. You. That's I, right. It's not something separate from you. Yeah, you, yeah. You're obses- you are obsessing over yourself as an artist when sure. you're drawing. But I, when I obsess over music, it's nothing to do with me. It's over the music. But that's you know? not you being gifted. That's you loving music. But I mean, that's, musician, I'm also an obsessive... I become obsessed over music or over artists as well, though. Okay, that's fine. But that's a separate thing to being like, if someone said you were a gifted musician, yeah, that's you in your room with a guitar playing over and over and over and over again, yeah. the sa- you know, same things or getting better and getting better. And someone could see that person and just go, fucking man, that guy, you know, what a narcissist thinks he's so great. Look at him. Look at him like playing. Hmm. He's obsessed with. He's obsessed with his own, you know, playing. I don't know if that makes you... I don't know if all, all people who play guitar would be gifted learners, though. That's an interesting... Well, narcissists. I think you have... I think you... I, I don't see how you can be a gifted... Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Because I, I think it's just how you learn, not necessarily what... Like, if you saw me... Like, I do cartoons. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the ways I make a living. And I used to do... You know, cartoons, you know, and when I was finished with whatever I was doing in art class, yeah. I would draw cartoons just obsessively. Yeah. And, you know, and kids would, you know, look over my shoulder and whatever, and I would, yeah, draw, yeah. I would draw these gag cartoons. Yeah. But, like, if you saw me doing that, you could think, like, that guy thinks he's so funny. Yeah. Thinks he's so funny. He's a regular Sid Hoff. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> you know who that is? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you could you, you would look at that and you would go like he's obsessed with himself and his yeah. own jokes and he's laughing at his own jokes and what a narcissist that guy. Is. Yeah, yeah. You could see that, but that's w- part of what made me what I am and what you know what it, what it is. I I can't I can't see a separation of the two. I don't see how you know if but, I if but, I wasn't seeing something in yeah. myself how I couldn't you know. Yeah, but not all gifted learners are performers, so I think you have to separate that so idea name, of performer. Uh, name something then. Like, like a, a gifted, like a gifted child. Give me an example of a gifted child who would not have a, a part of, like a mathematician 
something like this, like a gifted child who's in math, would not be a narcissist? Is this like something you'd be saying? Like someone in school? Yeah, I don't consider myself a narcissist. And maybe that's a narcissist speaking, but I would, I would, I don't. Okay, but like, what, what's the thing that you're gifted in that like, you would say? I would say I would say my mother has narcissistic tendencies. Okay, but I don't see that in myself. Okay, so I do but think the there's difference a difference between being the gifted child then and the open the person you would call a narcissist. Yeah, would be you. Ha- you both would spend time thinking in your own world to with almost like a bubble around yourself, keeping the rest of the world out. <laughs> you would feel there are. I could see how a narcissist would have a child who was gifted. And, and I'll give an example. My my wife's uh, father is definitely a narcissist. You know, all the characteristics of being a nar- narcissist. And she's, you know, an incredibly gifted cartoonist. And, you know, she, she has tried to not have the qualities, the negative qualities of the narcissism that uh, that, that he, he had. Yeah. Um, so just looking at this thing, it says, what is giftedness? I was just curious. because. Okay, who's defining this? This is a national something or other for our gifted children. National. This is the natural National Review. National so- right wing magazine. National so- Association for Gifted Children. Okay. So they right. say, what is giftedness? Students with gifts and talents perform or have the cap- capability to perform at higher levels compared to others of the same age, experience, and environment in one or more domains. Uh, they require modifications to their educational experience to learn and realize their potential. Um, so this is. There is a full definition. I don't think I want to go there. I just, I just thought I'd just read that. Right. Kind of. Now, being the organization that they are, <laughs> okay, they so will have a pause, a more, a, they will theory. not go, the dark side is. <laughs> but everything, everything, you know, that's positive has a, has, you know, a shadow to it as well. Oh, I'm sure. But I, so let's, let's look at what a narcissist is then, just so we're, our, our, okay. our, um, Oh, yeah, let's do... Okay, let's see. Have we got a good narcissist test or something? <laughs> First narcissistic of all, are personality you taking disorder. a narcissist test? Oh, shit, yeah. That's- so this is the Mayo Clinic. This is their overview. I agree. I'm just going to... The narcissistic personality disorder, one of several types of personality disorders, is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, mm-hmm. a deep need for excessive attention mm-hmm. and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. Behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. Well, this pretty much describes me, so I, I, I'm kind of falling apart here on my own uh, petard. I'm hoisted on my own petard. A narcissistic personality disorder causes problems in many areas of life, such as relationships, work, school, or financial affairs. People with narcissistic personality disorder may be generally, generally unhappy and disappointed when they're not given the special favors or admiration they believe they deserve. They may find their relationships unfulfilling and others may not enjoy being around them. So. Okay. There you go. Do you want to, do you want to test? Do you want symptoms? Sure. Let's go with, let's go with symptoms. Uh, they have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Depends what you consider exaggerated. That's, that, <laughs> that's the, that's the problem. It's like exaggerated. Compared to what? Like what compared to others around them, I would say that's compared to the, the median. You're going by the median of people around you. These sort of these sort of disorders are outside okay. of fall outside of what you. You consider. think you're more important than other people? Yes. Okay. All right. Does anyone not think they're more? I guess there's the people yeah. who don't. There's people who don't. Yeah. I would put myself in that. Okay. Have a sense of entitlement and require constant excessive admiration. What's constant? Like there's all these. <laughs> like, uh, Just think of Trump while I'm reading these things to you. And if he seems to you normal, 
Just a normal, regular guy. Trump is Trump's <laughs> is a good Trump is a good example of a narcissist. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's, but, if he seems normal to you, to your regular person who I'm just gonna, walks around the street, here here's my here's my fucking ego. Yeah, I'm going to take constant out. I'm going to say consistent. Okay, that's fine. So, as in, I I don't think you need it constantly, but I think you need it regularly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But when you but the reason that say constant is because when you don't get it, then you feel like you're not getting your just. Just desserts, and that becomes a constant bitter feeling. Too. Right, but you don't need someone throwing, you know, uh, rose petals at you twenty four seven. You just need to, yeah. you know, be able to like dip your feet in that pool. Sure, you know, uh, when when you need to. So you could think that you're smart, but that you were never recognized for that, or not recognized enough for that. Okay. And so when your child goes to university, you become very bitter about the fact that they're doing well ah. and cut them down constantly throughout their time in university. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an example of, of sure, sure. That's an interesting, just random example. Okay, <laughs> expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it. Exaggerate achievements and talents. Be preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. Believe they are superior and can only associate with equally special people. Monopolize conversations and belittle or look down on people they perceive as inferior. Expect special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations. Now, these are just like general symptoms. Not every person is going to have all of these right. uh, things. As, as uh, um, Take advantage of others to get what they want. Have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. Mm-hmm. Be envious of others and believe others envy them. Behave in an arrogant or haughty manner, coming across as conceited, boastful, and pretentious. Mm-hmm. Insist on having the best of everything, and for instance, the best car or office, etc., I won't go on anymore, but there are others. Yeah, that seems real loosey-goosey. <laughs> you think you're so big. <laughs> Someone's having some issues with the Mayo Clinic's definition of uh, I, yeah, I narcissism. Yeah, I am. I think they're just. I think that's too vague. Like, I think that's really too vague. I don't think that's vague at all. That's funny oh, that you yeah, say that. It's very vague. Yes. Are, like, do you, are you finding yourself getting uh, grouped into some of these? Uh... Well, yeah, of course. Well, but, of course. But, but, but I mean, but it's just like you know. You know, th- think you're better than this or think like there's no specific there's no specific, you know, uh, perimeters of, you know, so you so you ran faster than that person. You did. Yeah. So you think you're faster than them, huh? Yeah, I'm faster than them. Mm. Oh, it looks like I know, I but think. they're saying you ag- this, exaggerate achievements. What's right? that mean? What's what's exaggerate according to what? Like achievements. So say, you know, uh, well, things you didn't do, you claim you did. That would be an example oh, so of exaggerating. Yeah, that's exaggerating your achievements. Yeah. No, I think it's like, okay, say you won, you know, uh, the the local bake-off. Yeah. You know, and it's like, all right, you got first prize in the local bake-off. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a great baker then. Well, it's like you're exaggerating, you know, that you're a great baker. Well, says who? Like, what are you, what are you talking? Like, is this a subjective thing about, like, you know, you're a great artist or, you mm-hmm. know, you, you have to win a, a prize for, like, painting a picture or whatever? This guy thinks he paints really well. Like, okay, you know. <laughs> so who says he who says he's not? You know, sure. who says that's not a good musician? Who he says might that's be a good. A, he might be a good painter, or he might be a a a, a, a middle talented, you know, mid level yeah, painter. Yeah, but what they're what they're but, putting in here is like that. There's someone who thinks that they're more than something. They're more than, more than what you. Is reality. More, more than, than you. reality. More than you. Well, more than what do you mean you? More than you. They Who's are better you? than you. You, Ian Boothby. They're better than you. If they meet you yeah. and they're talking to you, they're looking down on you as being less so than what they are. So if someone who thinks that they're a great musician, yeah, okay, they could be a narcissist, but they meet Paul McCartney. 
Well, they, they think they're better than Paul McCartney. Yeah. No, they're like this guy's no, so. No, but they so. will. But they could think that they're better than someone else. Like that's the problem. Yeah, it's like a narcissist doesn't sure. think that they're the greatest person in the world at the thing that they are. Oh, I mean, I don't. I don't no, that's keep, just fucking. Stupid. I don't want to keep drilling on Trump, but you don't think Trump thinks he's a better president than Ronald Reagan was, Trump or better is a president a, than Truman was, or better okay. president than you're taking. Than, you're taking the most extreme example of someone who you know. Then, like, hooked his wagon to yeah. a, a really bad movement and then went to the start. <laughs> yeah. There are people like, and again, I'm going to go with, sure. like, my, my, my father-in-law, who's okay. a narcissist. Yes. But he, you know, would acknowledge that there are better, you know, and he's a drummer. Yeah. You know, he would acknowledge that there are better drummers than him. Sure. But he's sure. still a narcissist. Yeah. He doesn't think, you know, being a narcissist doesn't make him think he's the greatest drummer in the world. Yeah. He thinks he's better at things than some people. Sure. And he thinks he's worse than things that other people. Okay. Okay. But this seems to be going like, you know, they, they think they're better than everybody. And that's just an extreme that's like bullshit. Okay. And, and the problem with that is. Well, that's not the only thing that was in there. So I don't know why you're. You hooked your wagon to that star. Like, what about the other things? Yeah, there was about? too many of them that okay. were that were vague. Okay, there was too many of them that like were completely subjective. Just like, yeah, you know, this person thinks that they're a really good da 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 da. Sure, or a great da da. I mean, they, they are they, they are subjective. I mean, we're talking about psychology. You know, and again, if Paul incredibly... McCartney thinks he's a great musician, yeah. is he a narcissist, or is he right that he's one of the greatest musicians in the world? What Dep- if, it what depends if how he affects other people around him with his abilities. So if. If he's a good musician, but he spends his time undercutting other great people. Great musician, but okay, go ahead. If he's a great musician, he spends his time under, undercutting other people and creating a sense of inferiority in other people around him. Yeah. Then he's a narcissist. If he's a great musician. Is he incorrect? If he's a great musician who takes his talents and yeah. makes other people around him better, then he's a, uh, he's a musician who is sharing his skill, his, his abilities mm-hmm. and help making everyone else raising people around him. But if he's using it to suppress other people and crush other people around him in order to make himself feel better about himself. But it feels like, mo- okay, but I think you're making that up. Like most of the <laughs> things that are, most of the things that are in yeah. that are, so let's go with the Paul McCartney. Example. Sure, sure. Paul McCartney thinks he's. Yeah. You know, like you could go through the list and just go like, sure, oh, sure. Right. if Paul McCartney felt that he was uh, better than people around him. Yeah, he would be correct. He would be correct. Yeah, That's yeah. right. But yeah, no, yeah. sorry, you're a narcissist. If but Paul he's not McCartney, exaggerating his achievements. If Paul McCartney felt, yeah. you know, uh, a lack of empathy for da 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 it's like, well, it might look like, you know, he's got a lack of empathy, but, you know, he can't. You know, open himself up to the world because sure. they will just devour him because he's so famous mm-hmm. and whatnot. You know, so it's all subjective. You know, if it's just it's, like well, if it's Joe on the street mm-hmm. who's there going, huh, "Fuck, did you hear that new song? Yeah. I could write better than that." And it's like, and, that, and he sincerely believes that. Yeah, you yeah. know, Hey, Mike, I could paint better than that painting. Sure. You know, and you know, he's a narcissist. You know, he feels this, but he's wrong. Okay. Whereas the other person, like if Elon Musk is a narcissist, yeah. and he's clearly a narcissist, yeah. but he's also not wrong. Like, he can invent things that, like... He hasn't you know, invented very much, but okay. Okay, but he's invented enough. No? No. All right, fine. Okay. He's not an inventor. All right. He's a, he's a, he's a financier. All right. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like okay. He's, he's made enough choices yeah. that have changed, you know, the world. Okay. You know, he's, he's done those things. So this person who has changed the world with the choices, the risks they've made, some inventions, maybe not, you know, <laughs> da, 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 you know, uh, if, if, if he is a narcissist. Okay. I think that's very different than if, again, my father-in-law is a narcissist. Yeah. 
and they both have the same thing. Sure. But but they sure as fuck don't. Well, let's take, a, take an example of, of Elon Musk. So uh, there was those kids, those soccer kids trapped in the cave in, 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 in Indonesia. Yes. Or wherever. So the several divers took incredible personal risk. One died rescuing those children from yeah. that, that cave. While that was happening, Elon Musk posted some drawing of a submarine that was going to save all those kids, but yeah. would have taken like, you know, a year to make and produce. And the kids sure. would have all been starved, would have starved to death before that happened. Then he got mad that people pointed that out to him and he made fun of the people who actually did right. the hard digging and, so, and one of them died getting, rescuing those kids from the cave. Right. And we got to also at this point mention that he has, you know, said that he's got Asperger's. So there is an, uh, another factor with sure. him specifically sure. okay. where like he doesn't, feel emotions in the same way we do. Okay. So, okay, but go ahead. Whatever. So then he described one of the guys as a pedophile and he kind of, and, <laughs> yes, dis- and you that's know, that's not great. Yeah. And, and, you know, just hacked on all these people who did this, this heroic act. So I would regard that as a negative example of narcissism. If you say he's a narcissist, which I don't know, I, okay. I'm just saying doing that just is a demonstration of a negative element of it where he needs to crush these guys down in order to push, well, raise himself above. Here's them, an example you know? of something he did, like I think last week, where he challenged Putin to a fight for Ukraine. Like it was going to be like, like just combat yeah. him, you know, like, hey, fight me. And if, uh, if yeah. uh, I lose, you get the Ukraine. Okay. And if not, you got to give up Ukraine. Hmm. And, uh, pretty brave 50 year old man to challenge a 70, 70 well, something year old man. <laughs> well, it could be brave <laughs> or it could be narcissism. <laughs> Whatever. You know, there you are. It's a, it's a weird fucking it's select. A, yeah. It's just a weird. Just attention-seeking, right? Yeah, it's just a weird thing to say. Sure, sure, sure. But like, you gotta go. That's some narcissism there to just go. You know what? Yeah. Get me, get me, uh, Putin. Hey, Putin, want to fight? You and me, we're gonna fight. Then we're gonna end this war. Because yeah. I can end the war. And again, that's a Trump thing. It's like only I can end. Da da da. I can only I can fix this and fix that. And they, you know, there's to a certain degree, it's it's impossible for Elon Musk, I think, to sit back and just go, well, I, I gotta have an effect on this somehow. It's a world event. Hmm. All right. <laughs> What if I challenge him to it's fisticuffs? It's not enough to give, I gave another child a weird name. I've got to uh, also. Yeah, there's the weird name. Sidereal, whatever, yeah. Archangel, something or other. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's a, it's a weird mix, mix them up. But no, to me, that, those were just too, too vague, too vague to, to, you know, be. I mean, I, as I was reading it, I could apply them to things in my own life that I've experienced. Okay, not well, all of them, I, but. I've got Psych Central. I'm just going to. Okay, I'll okay. This. So, and now let's picture. Paul McCartney for any of these. <laughs> uh, just uh, grandiosity and self-importance. I don't think so. You don't think uh, Paul McCartney has a sense of self-importance? No. No, I think he's a very grounded person who's... I mean, listen, we have to remove the fact that he's a beetle and then he's grown up in this kind of a rarefied situation that he can't, like, be amongst us. But I think when he can be amongst us, he's a very open, friendly person. Okay. Um Fantasies of success, perfection, or power. He's no fantasies. He no, is successful. It's, and, yeah, <laughs> it's real. Right. He really achieved it, and he did it with a group of people that he worked a together with. A strong conviction of being special and unique. I don't think that's a, a. I don't think that's a wrong thing to feel. No, no. It's, I'm not asking if it's a wrong thing to feel. I'm asking, you know, because this is a sign of narcissism. It, does Paul McCartney have a strong conviction of being special and unique? I'm not asking if it's wrong to feel. I'm just telling you one of the criteria. I imagine he does. Yeah, all right. He's so a beetle. That's that's one. <laughs> okay. Check that off the list. Okay, sure. Uh, okay. Uh, a need for admiration and praise. No, I don't think that that's the case. 
okay, he goes out and he does these concerts, you know, uh, you know, uh, thousands upon thousands okay. of people. Oh, so okay, so he likes to entertain. Okay, that, if that's a need for for praise, it might just be he's a musical person and wants to express his. Might you know, be. He could just. He might. I don't think he does it just for people just to pat him on do, the back. Uh, yeah, he might just go to an old folks' home and just play a little music <laughs> for people. But he doesn't. He does it for uh, tens of thousands of yeah, people. Yeah, because that's he has tens of thousands of fans that's, who want to see that's him. That's true. I'm not saying he doesn't have the he, fans to supply him with the things that he might need. And I'm asking. I'm not just saying that. All this time, I'm not like, just saying it's one since way. He was a teenager. I'm saying it's two ways that he's giving himself to the fans as well. That's nice. It's got nothing to do with the yeah, question, yeah. though. Because you see, I don't, now you're saying what I'm yeah, saying, which is yeah. you need more to this question. Yeah, yeah. Because it's too vague. That's I don't think what it, I'm saying. Okay. It's too vague. Okay. You're saying there has to be a second part to this, or you can't answer the question. That's what I'm saying about the questions you asked. So, but like okay. a need for admiration and praise. So let's just take it. Yeah, we all have that. Paul, but. Okay. But Paul McCartney is a guy who, since he was a teenager, mm-hmm. has had fans screaming his name. Yeah. Have, have gotten every musical award there could be. Uh, people have praised him all of his life. He's now like, what is he in his uh, late seventies or is it, uh, something like that? So, so at least 60 years of praise. Yeah. Was that addictive or can he at this point just go, you know what? Don't need that anymore. <laughs> I know I, I know I really enjoyed it yeah, and yeah. I've pursued it my whole life yeah. and I've done all these concerts yeah. and I've done all these things, yeah. but like, nah, I could walk away from it. Do you think, do you think so? Or odds are, he still needs the praise and that's why he's doing, you know, maybe as a musician, he needs to also creatively do these albums, but he, he also performs. Uh, like say, like Rolling Stones, I think they I th- need it, right? Mick Jagger needs to, the, the, that energy from the audience. Like there's, there's a reason you do the, the concerts. You yeah, know, I'm again, sure it's like, exciting. I did, but yeah, I, you, I agree. It's negative. I think there has to be like, I think there has to be like a thing at the top there that says these are, outsized or exaggerated or have negative elements to them okay uh entitlement i don't think he has a sense of entitlement i think he i think he's you don't think he feels he's he's earned. entitled to any oh no. it's not about earned he's earned it it's not earned no i don't think he feels entitled you say you're saying entitlement means that you haven't earned it yeah i think entitlement could also mean you earned it no you've earned no entitlement is not earned entitlement is a feeling that you deserve it no matter what Okay, you're adding an extra element. No, to I'm that. not. No, I'm not. When people talk about millennials feel entitled, yeah. they're not saying millennials have earned attention. No, because they're already coming at it from a negative point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, is uh, yeah, is is uh, Sully Sullenberger entitled to praise for uh, landing on the Hudson? Yes, he's yes entitled. because he did it. Yeah, so he's entitled. But he didn't. If he didn't do it, he wouldn't be entitled to that. Right, but he's entitled to it because he did it. Yeah, I think. I think. No, I think yeah, you're, he earned it. You're misdefining the word entitlement. Okay, whatever. No, it's not. It's, it's not whatever. It's true. It's like a person can be entitled to something. Yeah. If they've done the thing that you know, okay, they, they, they get the thing. Sure. I, I just Let's, think if you hit a dictionary up, this is not a. You yeah, know, yeah. I don't think that's how they mean it in there, but okay. Yes, he feels oh, you're, entitled. Oh, you're interpreting. So again, I do have to interpret these yes, in terms yes, of narcissism. Well, we've just said you have to interpret them <laughs> because you know it's too vague. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Entitlement. Are you entitled to this? Okay. Are you, you know? Okay. All right. So I'm going to give that a, I'm going to give that a check. Uh, a <laughs> pattern of exploiting others for personal gain. I would say no. If you want to say that he's exploited others for personal gain, I don't, I don't know, know the musical history as well as you do. So yeah, I would you. say I don't. I mean, he's hired musicians and fired musicians. If that's exploiting them, I don't know. Okay. Uh, low empathy. Who knows? Who knows if he's empathetic or not? We don't know. 
He seems. I mean, he seems empathetic, but who knows? Maybe yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Uh, envy, jealousy, and distrust. Who knows? Yeah, can't know. And arrogance, haughtiness, and scorn. This feels like they've just duplicated the last three. Like, <laughs> and if you went envy, jealousy, and distrust, yeah, yeah. Yeah. arrogance, haughtiness, and scorn. There's a lot that like is uh, crossing over there, and uh, and so yeah, basically. Uh, oh well, he doesn't do five of the nine symptoms, so he only does three. So <laughs> Paul McCartney is not a narcissist, according to this. And I think I do think that it's yeah. I, I mean, we're not psychologists, obviously, so we're reading these we're things. Psychiatrists, of, we cannot <laughs> prescribe. <laughs> no, we can prescribe. We're psychiatrists. Oh, can we prescribe medicine? Yes, we can prescribe medicine. Why am I not high during? I this? know it's. <laughs> Well, I've, I've questioned it. Okay. But yes, I think... Uh, Horse pills. Reading <laughs> reading, uh, reading through them for me, I do. I, I feel like I have experienced some of those things from uh, growing up and stuff like that. Sure. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I just... I think I, there's a difference I, I definitely between... think I have. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, one of my big quests, uh, you know, is, is a quest for empathy. That's huge for me. Huge. You know, and, and my embarrassment looking back on the past is my lack of empathy. Is that right? Oh, huge. That's, yeah. th- that's number one. Mm. It's just ridiculous. You know, I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed beyond all belief. <laughs> like, I know are. how, I, I know how lacking in empathy I was. Yeah. Because I was trying to, you know, I could justify it by saying I was trying to survive. Um, so, you know, that got put to the side. And I didn't feel that anyone was going to be protecting me but me. Mm-hmm. You know, no one. Yeah. I was on my own. Even when I was like in a relationship, you know, before I met Pia, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I don't, if I don't fight for myself, that's uh, I'm 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 totally fucked. Uh, but but yeah, so, so it is weird sometimes when I look back on the past and I've really got to look in my head and just go, oh boy, what happened? What happened there? What happened there? <laughs> it's like okay, somehow those people still like me. Somehow they have positive memories of me. <laughs> I am That's lucky a, that nothing well, bad, really bad. I think we bad. can say that you're not a narcissist. Just hearing you talk now. Now, <laughs> no, maybe, no, no, maybe. no, no. Even then, like, I, because I, I don't think you grow out of it necessarily. Like, you had, I mean, I think I was definitely a narcissist. Really? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, just out of survival. It was huh. the only was the only way I could think of, of surviving. It was like I was just obsessed with like getting on TV. I was obsessed with getting out of Delta. I was obsessed. With like you know uh, my own career and and you know if I wasn't successful I would die for sure I would die for sure I, I think because no one would protect me but I think it's okay to be ambitious you know and that's that's not that's not unforgivable and it's not narcissistic there's crossover between there's going to be crossover between all, all that's why everything I think gifted and, and and narcissism have so much in common this is what this is about you just want to keep your narcissism gifted thing that's why you're arguing I, maybe maybe i've always i've always felt i think you should that read way, that though. book i think you should read that book and see where and it comes down what's what. yeah. yeah yeah i will i will i will do that for sure 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 because i i feel i mean i'll talk to lisa about this because i feel like my self-awareness is, is, is i lack self-awareness and i have a hard time like taking you know like the my family get really mad if, when i take those personality tests and things like that because i answer all the questions wrong according to them <laughs> they'll be like that's not even you why are you saying you're that because you're not that so okay I'll be, like, I'll be like i don't know that's how I see myself. Ah, Dad, you don't know who you are. So, yeah, but I don't... F- I mean, despite that, I don't feel like... Yeah, you said you were a failure at the beginning of the show, and that was... Uh, I am wrong. a failure. No. I am a. I am to myself a failure. 
That's okay, how I so review my life. To the rest of the world, no. To you, yes. Yes. So you think that your opinion is is more important than the rest <laughs> of the world? That sounds like narcissism to me. Yes, I, I exaggerate my my lack I of think there uh, is, achievement. I think that you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. I think yeah. that there is definitely a form of narcissism. Which is the uh, inverse, which is not that you're the greatest, yeah. but you're the worst. Mm. I think there's definitely that with people. And okay. there's people I know who are just like, oh, I'm just a big piece of shit. And yeah, I'm yeah. just this and I'm this. Like, no, we all love you and you're great and it's great yeah. having you around. No, I'm the worst. You know, and yeah, <laughs> they will not. They well, that's, that's looking for compliments, but. Uh, I don't think that's looking for compliments. I think that's deeply felt. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I'm the worst person in the world, by the way. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think I'm the worst no, person. No, Putin is right now. <laughs> I would invade it. I think Ukraine. it's the I think it's the guy who's like trying to start World War Three. Yeah, yeah, he's probably him. <laughs> probably the worst right now. Yeah, and yeah. maybe Elon Musk is number two. <laughs> My worry is they're going to fight and then become best friends mm. and like, oh no, now now no. now Putin's got a rocket. <laughs> we are less different than you think. That's right. <laughs> Basically, that's the way that movie goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, the rocket won't work well unless NASA helps. So just hold back all the NASA help, and then it'll fall apart. It's fine. We're all good. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, so, I'm sorry that you think you're a failure. I don't think that's at all true. Well, I, let's As not say... someone f- who's known you all Let's all, not say failure, but let's... This, like, someone whose life didn't go the way I planned it, you know. Okay, that's a very different situation. Which, which is failure. <laughs> no, it's not. 100% not. Uh, you know, look, you're, you, know, you are uh, beloved by people around the world. You know, uh, in the, you know, you get fan mail every week. You know, yeah. people who want to share, you know, uh, their lives with you and tell you the impact that you've had on them. You've got two uh, daughters who you've brought into this world who are good people who, you know, everything you say about them is, you know, positive, you know, and like you're a huge part of that. You know, that's but those I, are successes. You're correct. Those I, are successes. And listen, any, you know, I almost feel like uh, going Capra on you and just go <laughs> any man that's got those is not a, it's not a failure. Uh, you're right. You're right. Don't make an angel jump off a bridge to <laughs> to save you. That's and so like, cold in the water. That's right. You don't want to have to do all that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think it's just when I say that, I just mean in terms of like like where I where I think about like job or whatever. You know, like when someone says, "What's your job?" I'm just right. like, "Ugh, I don't want to talk about it because didn't I'm not happy where I am." I just feel like, "Ugh, okay. didn't I go the that's way I wanted." That's a different situation. To. Didn't go the way I wanted my life to go. Right. That's a diff- that's a very different situation. And having said that. I am happy where I am. Like I, okay. I'm. You're saying you're I'm making the best of it. You're it's hating. the I make the best of where I am in my life. Okay. That's, how I feel. That's how I feel about it. Well, when you describe your your job, you know, at the garage door place. Yep. You know, you seem to be. Yeah, yeah. Like I make it. the best of what I, what it is. Okay. Well, wait, 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 wait. Do you like working there though? Yeah, I make the best of it. No, 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 no. There, that's a that's a caveat. It's like <laughs> that's like saying you know just like you know. Uh, okay. Are you enjoying your sandwich? Do yeah, I'm I'm dealing with it. Let's like, ask it. Ask sandwich, it this way. The sandwich is uh, I'm making the best of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. But do you like it? You know. Yeah. I'm eating it. I'm making the best. I'm of it. I'm eating it right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm working it's my way It's not the sandwich it. I wanted. Ah. Oh, okay. But all right. I'm enjoying the sandwich that I have. You are enjoying it. Yes. Okay. It's not the sandwich I wanted. Yes. Okay. But I'm enjoying the sandwich that I have. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay, but yeah, can you, without the caveat, say you're enjoying the sandwich? <laughs> it's not a sandwich I wanted. No, okay, you can't. But that's a different situation. <laughs> but I enjoy the sandwich that I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If other opportunities came up to leave the sandwich that I'm ha- I have, okay, I would take those opportunities. Very good. 
If you could become a full-time colorist, <clears throat> would you become a full-time colorist? Probably not. Okay. To be honest. I like working with you guys, but I don't know if I would enjoy other people's... I don't know if I'd enjoy taking like orders from other people. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like I, if I could be an artist, mm-hmm. like a self-sufficient artist, yes, I would definitely take in that. In what field? Like doing comics, or whatever. Yeah, for sure. In what uh, in what capacity? As an artist, as a writer. Okay, artist. but I get that. But like, what yeah. do you what do you mean? Like, what would like for 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 children, for adults, a comic strip, a comic book, like a floppy yeah. comic book, yeah, a comic a book, novel. What do you what are we talking here? Yeah, comic book. Like a comic for, book, book, like a like a one you get at a newsstand type. Well, whatever. Or, or whatever like an old know. issue of like Hater Eight Ball, something like that. Something like that, sure. Or yeah, whatever. Okay. They could be collected into a later graphic novel. That would be that's my ideal idea of how comics should. So should you, be done, so how long would done. this comic be? Like a, is a <laughs> like twenty four pages. Pager? Yeah, twenty four yeah, yeah. pages. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's your like, so your dream is to do a twenty four page comic book that yeah. I could live on. That I could live. So, okay, you know. but if you had say finances, okay, say say a windfall came in. Yeah, like if if I had a windfall come in, that ship comes in. Yeah, something I, happens. I could retire. You could retire. I would. Would you? Would you do this twenty-four page comic book? Yes. Okay. Definitely. All right. Do I have time right now in my life? No. All right. I'm just saying this is a fucking achievable goal. <laughs> to do a 24 page comic book this isn't going i it's want to make an action hard. movie it's very hard to carve out something that is so psychically hard to do for me that's a thing yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a thing the, yeah. the 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 obstacle you have to overcome here is me. you know you right me, you've yeah. got to distract yourself enough that you actually do the fucking thing exactly that's the thing exactly yeah and it's not that's a hundred percent possible hundred percent possible it's hundred percent possible yeah it just it's a hurdle there's a major psycho, a major psycho hurdle for me. Was there ever a point where, like, say, it's even hard for me to talk about this? Sure, sure. Like, I feel sick to myself. Yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> well, let's let's look at let's just look at that. Yeah. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Back so, way, way, a couple way, of decades or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And if I was to say to you, "Hey, Dave, you know these things you feel insecure about? Yeah, that we're talking about. Uh, how do you feel about talking about them in public?" <laughs> <laughs> like what we're gonna do is I'm gonna record you yeah. for like a good three hours. Sure. We're just gonna like you're gonna lay your soul bare. Mm-hmm. Really like you know, say like what are you most scared of? Yeah. What are you most this? And uh, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this and we're just gonna put it randomly around the world <laughs> and anyone can listen to it for. Sure. But, but Dave, yeah, for the rest of time, yeah, for the rest of time, any stranger can like just click a button mm-hmm. and listen to you talk about your deepest insecurities. Uh, but how's that feel? Here's my question to you, though: Would I feel like it would help people to hear these things? Because I feel like it helps people to hear these things, and so I'm willing to talk about them. You know, if it, if it was if I didn't think it was helpful, I I don't th- I think I'd be more reticent. Okay, what if there's a person out there, which I'm sure there fucking is, uh, who is someone who has a dream, yeah, and they have a dream of something to do, and they are hearing you say someone they respect, yeah. So you know, they love you on a podcast level. <laughs> As in, sure, sure. I, they will not give you money. Yeah, yeah. But up until that point, <laughs> they love you. Of course. Um, and so they've got a dream and they want to, you know, do whatever they, they want to do. Yeah. Uh, and th- But then they listen to you saying, you know, I want to do this thing, but I can't do it and I won't do it. And I'm not going to probably do it and whatever. And they relate to you. Yeah. Do you need to do something do that to help thing? that person out? Like you're as an example, mm-hmm. do you have any responsibilities to that person? to overcome the things that you're having an issue with so that they would be inspired by you. Is that a thing? Just throwing that out there. Because there's people out there listening right yeah. now. Well, I think we've 
I think I've talked about it enough, whether in essays I've written on the on the blog or like on our website or on the show. But I think the title cards are a good example of something that I've has been helpful for me as a way of unblocking myself from what is uh you know, like whatever that keeps me from doing some perfectionism and all those sort of things. Yeah. You know, that I was able to like create a mantra of it's not just good, it's good enough. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and acting to it and doing something to a deadline and just, you know. It's the Lauren Michaels thing. It's like the show doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's 1130. <laughs> yeah. 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 And was I like the last one I did, the serious Dragon. Dragon. Was I 100% happy with what I did there? No. No. I could have done a better job. Did I rush parts of it? Yeah. Because I wanted to get it finished. And I also did my daughter's breaks that day. And I was dealing with the website issues. Were you 100% happy with how the breaks work? <laughs> no. They're fine. I'm 100% happy with the breaks. The breaks, breaks I'm 100% with. Those, those I did to the very best of my ability, and I did not, did not cut any corners. But did I cut corners coloring the dragon? Yeah, I just, I did some easy steps there, and I just kind of let a few things go, and went, that's fine, and uh, and that's fine, because I wanted to get it done. And I think that's that's a very healthy approach for me to art, because yeah. I tend to get really bogged down in not wanting to complete things, because I had parents who didn't appreciate when I completed things and would redo them. And so that created a block in me that makes it hard for me to complete things because to complete something is to be judged. And judgment means that you're wrong. Sure. And then that's just a bad thing. So that's those are things I have to work through when I'm working. And so doing title cards was very helpful. Have you been judged down. and have uh, has that hurt? Oh, like, yeah. As an adult? No, not so much as an adult because I don't put myself in that way with my parents now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and it's your parents that you're talking about. Oh, with yeah. The judgment. My parents were very, very, very judgmental. This is and had this super is, high standards that no one could meet. Right. So this is a. I mean, like time will pass, and your parents will too. Do you think when they are gone, that will vanish, or will it? No. Well, then you it's take an inner it on. Voice. It's an inner voice. Yeah. It'll, you'll take. You'll take that yeah, way yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I still, I take it on now. I don't have to talk to my parents. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, a, that's the fun thing about any kind of, uh, I'm just going to throw it a, as abuse. Yeah. Uh, is like, you know, my dad is gone, but his voice is in my head. Yeah. And like, I carry on that legacy uh, of, you know, uh, putting myself down. Yeah. For sure. I don't call it abuse with my parents because I feel like my parents, for the most part, acted with what they thought was the best interest of us as kids. Sure. You know, that we should toughen up, that we should, whatever, the things they were trying to teach us. And they didn't, they grew up with parents who were not emotionally available. My mom, my grandma didn't tell my mom that she loved her until she was on her deathbed. Yeah. That's 90 years. Yeah. It all, it all gets a little better over time. But do you feel that, uh, just with the criteria you just laid out, do you think that you can abuse your kids with good intentions or is it the intention? (sighs) No, I don't think you can abuse your kids with good intentions. I think, I think you can have good intentions in it and wound your kids. I would say wound but rather you than abuse. Wound, wound, uh, so what, what is your definition of abuse then? Well, I think abuse is... You've got harm as a different thing than abuse. Yeah, and I, th- I just think that, like, to me, ab- abuse is more severe, maybe is what I'm thinking of it. Like, my parents weren't... Like, my parents, were, like, they didn't put me in a room and, and mock me. They didn't, no. they didn't no, whip no, no, me no, with no, whips. No, no, they no, didn't... No. It wasn't like a constant barrage of no. negativity. It was just over time. It was just a slow attrition of wearing you right. down, like you're a rock in a. But they've harmed under a, you. So under, okay. Under a, you let's know, go with let's go with harm. Like my dad wasn't a punchy dad. Nope. You know, there. You know, once in a while there was physical hitting or whatever, but it was you know it was not like I'm just 
randomly going to hit you is like, you've done this to deserve this thing that I'm going to do. And you might say, well, I don't think any parent should hit their child. And I agree with that. I, you know, my yeah. girls were not spanked or anything. But my parents were a different generation. So spanking and things like that were right. okay. Okay. And so I have to just accept that that's how they were brought up. So I don't think take, it's right. We're going to take that out of the Yeah, I'm taking that off the table because I don't. But you have just, yeah, you've just said yeah. how your parents harmed you. Yeah. Uh, and I know you then want to, again, throw the caveat of like they were trying their best. And I understand that. Yeah. But like harm, harm occurred. So now that we know that harm occurred, yeah. what do we want to do with that? Do we want to keep the harm going? No, of course not. That's why my daughters did not grow up in a right, life right, like and that, that's right? your daughters, and that's great. You have yeah. like broken the werewolf curse uh, <laughs> with them, and they will not yes. howl at the full moon yes. and kill the thing they love. Shot both of them with a silver bullet. You did. That's fine. <laughs> you broke the curse with them, but you're still yeah. the werewolf. So, and the silver bullet was love. What's that? that? Silver bullet was love. Silver bullet was love. That's right. That uh, (laughs) silver bullet was love. That that song. I love that song. Amazing song. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Now that you know that you were harmed, uh, and you know also that you can backdoor your way into doing the things that you love Mm -hmm. by kind of sort of tricking yourself, which is a good good start, Mm -hmm. but it's not any way to live. Is constantly tricking yourself. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's hard because you you eventually you get you learn all your tricks, so you no longer can fool yourself. Right. And then you can create excuses. That mean makes you stop being creative or whatever. I'm gonna throw this out, and it's uh, it's a. I think it's honest, but it's also like, oh, why do you have to say that? Um, (laughs) I think that you remain an example to your to your kids and to the people who are out here. Yeah. So, and I know you would probably not. Tend to the harm. I mean, I wish you would, but tend to the harm to help yourself because most of us won't do that. Yeah. But just throwing out that maybe by tending to the harm, you would uh, benefit those of us around that listen and love you and your kids because you are an example to others. You have become a role model. Definitely you are to them and you are to others who are out here right now listening to you. So if you can if you can get past that, mm-hmm. uh, that you know you could you could always like try thinking of them instead of you know myself the, for a change. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like like a if I could just I don't know what the word for that would, would be. be. Is it rhyme with physicist? <clears throat> I believe it's regicide. Okay, no, I'm looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, mean I've got, yeah, no, I've got right. no doubt that there's some, at yeah. some point you're going to do a comic book. I know you're fucking going to do it. I mean, I know it. Like in the d- deepest part of my soul, hook me up to a lie detector. <laughs> I know you're going to do these things. Right, we'll do I don't know when they are. I don't know at what time. Yeah. Whether you're going to retire from the job at the garage, something else is going to happen. Something, but you're you're going to. I I know I know that more than anything because you've got such a drive inside of you to do this kind of stuff. You've, you're going to. Um, I wish it was more of a drive, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked to other people. I don't want to name names, but I've talked to other people who have had grown up in negative situations where there's a lot of pushback against the your creative self, you know, yeah. who have had the ability, the you know, the personality type to overcome that, you know, and it's, it's uh, I don't want to say I'm, je- I'm never jealous of people, but I definitely admire that part of them that they're able to like, just ignore all those sort of negative messages they got and then take them in. I don't know if it's, I'm an older child. So maybe I took those into myself more than say a younger child would. Yeah. Cause younger children are maybe a little bit more, you know, the older child is one who gets all the instruction and all the 
the responsibility yeah. and so look yeah, after I'm the your, oldest child. Yeah. yeah, look after your kids or look after your brothers. You know, blah blah blah. You know, and still to this day, I get blamed for my brothers' bad things my brothers did. You know, yeah, because I could have stopped them. Right. Which you know is bullshit. Which I, you know, I know it's bullshit, but it's still, it, it's a hurtful thing to think about because then you, you take it into your head and then you're like, could I? Nope. Should I have said a word? Could no. I have said a word that would have made them stop going down that path? I don't think. You were a kid. I w- could have. You were a kid. Yeah. I was you were a kid. kid. It's not your responsibility. You were and they kid. were kids. Yeah. They were kids. You and, were kids. And we grew up together and we were competitive yeah. with each other and we were not a team. We were like competing uh, countries against each other. Not your job. <laughs> not your job. Not your not your skill set. We were basically a living risk game where we just constantly yeah. were at odds with each other. You know, they were adults. You were kids. Yeah, that's the end. Yeah, that's the end of that discussion. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look at your daughters. You know, would yeah. you blame? No, you know, of course if, not. if there's anything that you you were talking about, uh, Eve was just like, well, if Mary had just been on her game as a kid. <laughs> no, of course not. You know, Eve wouldn't have that peanut allergy, but. Yeah, there you how, go. Do you, how do you know Eve has a peanut allergy? She has an allergy to everything, of course. Dust, cold, water. Yeah. Up. <laughs> up. She can't go up in she an elevator. She go up in an elevator. Only down. She'll get hives if she goes up in an elevator. Yep. It's terrible. It's a shame. She has to live in a basement. <laughs> basement suite. And has to stay there forever. Yeah. Can never go back up in the elevator. elevator. It's a shame. <laughs> it just goes lower and lower. Yeah. If she walks upstairs a week at a time, just camps out. Yep. And then slowly makes her way up. She she can successfully move upwards. But, but only during daylight savings time. <laughs> uh, you may be right. Maybe, I mean, maybe working through those things would be like, or having like a happy ending would be like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. There's also no ending to, to this. I no, mean, you're the, correct. Yeah. I mean, you're never, you can't escape your parents' you just it, It's just subtle changes. Yeah. I mean, I just look at like, look, you've been doing this podcast for 10 years. You've been doing this podcast for 10 fucking years and in that time yeah. yeah you've done the title cards yeah you've done the deep 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 research on all of these the beatles tintin you know all these things all these things that you've got like you've got the work ethic you know to like when you start something you've got to make it good yeah and really throw you and you throw your heart and your soul into these things and when we talk you're not bullshitting you could you could easily skim the surface and just do some jokes and deflect and we haven't done that. And, you know, this to me is so much harder than doing a 23-page comic. You've just got that in your head as the hard thing to do, right? You're right. You're right. Yeah. You know? But this is so much harder. Any of the pot... Horse Mysteries is harder than uh, than doing no, that. No, Horse Mysteries is pretty easy. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Okay, fair I just sit there. Lisa does all, the, does all the hard work. Okay. Well, let me just say, like, the reason you <laughs> the reason that you can sit there is because you have the skill set from doing this for mm-hmm. 10 years. That's true. You've nice. practiced. You've set up the web page. You've gotten the whole system fucking working. You've set up the Patreon account. Sometimes. You've done the whole... Yeah. But you've done it. <laughs> and that's, and that's weekend, why ugh. it's like... That's why your, you know, fifth child is an easy delivery. <laughs> that's fine. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, anyone that's done this, this seems, like, ridiculously harder than doing that. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Doing, like, three hours of talking about yourself just sounds like an impossible thing to most people. It is funny. And it's so funny, like, how, like, say with the title cards, how forgiving I am, how bad it is when I start. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. But I don't, like, go throw it away. Yeah. Uh, whereas when I try to do a comic strip, when I start drawing it, I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. Throw it away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, can't forgive myself. Yeah. I kind of, like, oh, you know, this is just the first drawing, Dave. You can work it. You can work, do some more drawing on it. It's not like, you're not supposed to just finish now. 
but it's weird. I'm, I did draw rounders that way though, as if I was, that my, my finished pencils were my, or my starting pencils were my finished pencils were my inks were my final everything. Sure. You know, it had to look exactly the way it was supposed to look as soon as I drew it. It could not be worked on or improved. It was such, so weird. Such a, a strange, um, uh, whatever thing to hold yourself to you know like yeah yeah you're just going to draw it the way it's going to come out at the end <laughs> what you've got you've got like one of the simplest things in front of you which is the our recording device there yeah and i've watched us do this podcast for 10 years and along those lines i've really wanted to like figure out how to do it myself i can't i'm blocked i'm totally blocked wow. it's just like stupid yeah like and you know when i talk to Pia about it she's like well just go on youtube there's like videos about it yeah yeah like dave did <laughs> like it's just ridiculous and right now i'm also trying to learn how to do cartoons on this ipad yeah that's in front of me yeah and i know i can do this and i know i can make a podcast yeah i know i can do both those things yeah but my block is right there it's just like clang like mm. can't just can't but i know i can of so i, I got to figure a way uh to do that and yeah and i will but jesus it's you know and i look at myself and just go hey dumb dumb <laughs> don't think that i i know I know, but it is. It's like, you know how you could do this. Yeah. Do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with me. You know, you're afraid of breaking it. It's just something. It's just like, uh, I just want to go with the familiar and stay Mm. with the familiar. And it's so comforting to do the familiar. Yeah. Even if the familiar is you beating yourself up about not doing the thing. (laughs) At least that's familiar. I know this. I know how to deal with this. Exactly. You know, it's going for a walk and uh, and uh, just forgetting about it. Yeah, so I, I mean, trust me, I've got my own 23-page comic book right in front of me that's like, ugh, and ugh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that out loud that I'm trying my best to uh, to get over that. And also learn to ride a bike again. Holy fuck, is that hard. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I think what's really important to have in your life is a mentor. So I know with my youngest brother, he was really lucky, like, our uncle had the same interests as him. They both love cars. They both love fix, working on cars and stuff like that. And my brother, that's what he was totally drawn to. He loved anything mechanical. He loved to see how everything, anything that was getting thrown out in our house ended up behind his bed in pieces because he just wanted to know how clocks worked, how whatever worked, you know. And and he was really lucky that he had someone who took him under his wing and, like, you know, gave him a job. First as, like, you know, like a car washer drive the cars, you know, park the cars, bring the cars to the mechanics and stuff like that. And then start doing little bitty, little bits and pieces here and there. And that's super important. You know, like, uh, I just feel like I often wish, oh man, I wish I met someone who'd like older, who was able to like say, oh, it's easy. Just do this. Or you just do that. Or you, you know, like when you're afraid of breaking something or you're afraid of, you know, like, oh, if I do this, is this going to break it? Or, you know, I don't know how to get to this point. I don't know how to get past this point, you know? And yeah, it's just, oh, well, that's life. But yeah. I do feel like both my middle brother and I, we followed our parents, not their, not their desires, but their expectations, which is that we would fail. Sure. And we both met those, those, and I don't say I'm, you know, when I say I'm a failure, I just mean in my parents' viewpoint, right? Yeah, they're wrong. Of course. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't achieve the things that we were supposed to achieve in quotation marks. And whereas my youngest brother, who kind of went out from underneath my parents' wings and be- went under my uncle's wing, is a very successful car mechanic. He's very good at it. He's a very good, he's super handy guy. He's, you know, can do those things. He has his own issues, obviously, everyone does. But, you know, those things he's very good at and very successful at, you know. My uh, my middle brother and I, we just didn't have that opportunity in our lives, which is interesting. If only I had an uncle who was more talented. If I only had a cartoonist uncle, I would have, no. 
who knows though you just don't know what's what the what the past held for you yeah and you, you live in the present and yeah yeah i mean and i can go through the list of all the people that started off doing what they do and got famous like you know in their 50s and you'd go oh that list and it's like <laughs> a lot you know even just fucking stan lee you know really you know was like late 40s and hmm. it was just like well this is my last shot at this <sighs> might as well just do the comics i like yeah you know? yeah yeah that was him in the 60s sure yeah I mean, but and I, again, you just go through the freaking list. I mean, we do we do think so so much with art is like, well, this is a young person's game. Yeah, yeah. you got to be Paul McCartney, that mm. narcissist. You know, you got to be like, <laughs> you know, and it's not it's not you know start so young and just keep going. No, no, you you've got something to bring that's just you, and you and you will, and you do, and you do here every week. So there, good on you. Congratulations, you're. God damn it. Anyone that thinks you're a failure is a fucking... Ah, ridiculous. Ah! It makes me want to throw things across the room. <laughs> throw them across the room. So, Dave. Well, yes. Do you know, uh, when I think success... Yes. I think Dark Shadows. The most successful... Uh, Vampire soap opera... <laughs> of all time. <laughs> since whatever that other one was. Yeah. With the witch. And uh, what's its... Uh, Soap yeah. opera? Yeah, yeah. You, you know which one I'm talking about, right? The witch? Yeah, there was one that was like recently. It was a witch, and she had like a little person with her, and it was uh, it was uh, the it was a semi spinoff of Bewitched, but not really. But it was. Oh, yeah. I don't know it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a. Uh, oh, let me just look up soap opera with witch, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll it'll come up. Sure. Soap. Uh, it's. I want to say like pleasant something. All right, you you do you, your thing, and I'll interrupt. Well, uh, I was going to say this is the most su- successful segment our show's ever had. Dark oh, uh, more than deck uh, deck talk. More than deck talk. All right, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Deck talk is pretty popular. I don't know if that's uh, passions. I don't even that know what that is. A, oh well. Oh, Dave, we have talked about it, but here we go. It ran from 1999 to 2007. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was about a um, uh, community. Uh, New England community, and okay. uh, there was a witch, uh. and there was magic stuff, and there was like uh, uh, demon things would happen, and what have you. And then at some point, you found out that the witch, uh, her name was Tabitha. Okay, and it was like, wait a minute. Mm. And then there were some people from Bewitched that showed up on the show. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, yeah. So the hint was this is Tabitha grown up, and she's now kind of like the witch that like oh. lives in uh, this uh, town. Yeah, it was called uh, it was called Passions. Well, that ran about as long as, uh, if not longer than, than Dark Shadows. Yeah. Well, the um, the little person on the show he passed away sadly. Okay. Uh, but uh, and so I think that kind of put a kibosh on the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, he played. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's worth looking at uh, clips on YouTube and just go what? Yeah. All right, I will. But uh, David. Yes. Where are we up to, and what do we uh, do do? <laughs> well, uh, do do that do do that you do so well. If everyone remembers the last episode of Dork Shadows, we had a uh, zombie Quentin, right? Who not modern each zombies, old old fashioned, yeah, old fashioned, controlled by a witch zombies. Yeah, zombies. Not well, I was reading actually, and um, so. Night of the Living Dead came out six months before this, these episodes aired on on uh, Dark Shadows, and so they could have mm. they could have inspired it, but ah. 
George Romero in Night of the Living Dead does not refer to them as zombies. They're called ghouls. They were not called zombies until Dawn of the Dead in 1978. Well, he is incorrect. <laughs> if, I, I feel like I'm Johnny correct. Uh, a ghoul does not eat human... Well, a ghoul does, so does eat, eat human flesh. Does eat human flesh, yeah. but the flesh of the dead does uh, not eat the flesh of the living. I see. A ghoul is not uh, a supernatural being, yeah. uh, per se. There's someone who hangs around uh, graveyards and uh, feasts on the uh, the dead. I see. So quite the opposite. In fact, if you have a zombie problem, yeah. get some ghouls. <laughs> and no one ever does. Yeah. Google Patrol. Uh, the Yeah, anyway. that's that, that The case is, though, that they, they were not referred to as zombies in Night of the Living Dead. Okay. So, yeah, they were drawing back from the old... Um, Things like you know, I walked as a zombie and those sort of films right. from the from the thirties and forties, and probably the the original one with Bella Lugosi, whatever that one was called. Anyway, so um, Barnabas attempts to cure Quentin with some kind of make him ups with uh, using myrrh and uh, with cypress and having the smoke draw the, the 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 zombie back, and then he tries to intone some sort of a, a spell, and then. But then Angelique appears to be blocking it. And then so then uh, Quentin escaped the basement of, of the old house. And last time we saw him, he was he was mere inches from his grave, but he could not reach there. He was laying on the ground, desperately trying to reach it. I don't know if he was being pushed by by Barnabas' spell to go into the grave and being pulled back by mm-hmm. the in- effect of Angelique. I, I don't know exactly what was happening, but that, that was, was going on. And so... Uh, Episode 725, everyone. 725! Opens with Barnabas arriving at Collinwood with the literally crazy story that he must take Jameson to Quentin's grave so that their souls can be exchanged. Yikes. Judith is, I wrote, shocked, outraged, suspicious, (laughs) and disbelieving all at the same time. But Barnabas pulls the trump card. What would the neighbors think (laughs) if they knew that Quentin was a zombie? And she gives in right away. She goes, oh, okay, I'll go get Jameson. At Quentin's grave, Barnabas arrives with Jameson slash Quentin. So, of course, uh, if we remember everyone, Jameson is in, is the, uh, right now, is holding Quentin's spirit within him, in him. So so he's not no longer Jameson. He's merely Quentin inhabiting the body of Jameson. Okay, gotcha. So he's kind of unwilling to go to the grave. And, in fact, he attempts to encourage Quentin to get into the grave as quickly as possible. Yeah, get in there. Get in. Come on. Go, go, go. Through the power of a long speech, Barnabas is able to make Quentin arise. But Quentin's spirit still inhabits Jameson's body. And Jameson laughs hilariously at this. Ha 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 ha! It didn't work, Barnabas. At Collinwood, Judith mulls over Barnabas's involvement in the family's new troubles. Mm. She's kind of like, everything seems to be happening since this guy arrived. Is he the cause of all this? What does he have to do with it? But there's a knock at the door. Quentin, sorry, Judith answers... To find a new visitor. They said a nude visitor. A nude visitor. Whoa, that's the new show. Uh, no, this isn't a Broadway play. I can see your dark shadows. <laughs> this is the Reverend Gregory Trask. Yes, Jerry Lacey has returned to the show. Nice. Fresh from his stage performance as Humphrey Bogart in Play It Again, Sam. The oh, Woody nice. Allen play, yes, which had opened on Broadway in 1969 while this show was being filmed. And, of course, the uh, guy around the show, Dan Curtis, went to see Jerry Lacey in the show. And in that classic thing of, you can only ha- want what you can't have, he said, you're coming back to the show. And so pretty soon after that... Yeah, you're getting in that show, because if you don't, you'll regret it. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, <laughs> but soon for the rest of your life. Yes. And so when his run on uh, Broadway uh, ended 
Jerry Lacey returned <laughs> as the Reverend Gregory Trask. You know how to suck blood, don't you? Just put your lips together and... <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's... Yeah. Anyway, that was Lauren Bacall saying that, but what the heck? Lauren, ba- Lauren, saying it Lauren too? Bagool saying That's it right. to uh, Humphrey, Humphrey Bozombie. Bogey. <laughs> Bo- Bogey. Because a uh, bogey man would be like Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Humphrey Bogey. <laughs> so apparently Trask has been invited by Edward, who we haven't seen for quite a while. Okay. But it's hard to know because it's weeks between the show and then it's like days between each episode. So like a week feels like a month <laughs> for, for me. So I never know how, like, how long things are. But anyway, uh, so Edward has uh, feels like the kids are growing up in a not very wholesome environment. Mm. And he's wants... The Reverend, the Reverend Gregory Trask, to bring them to his school, Worthington Hall. Okay. Now, Jameson slash Quentin arrives, much to Judith's discomfiture. Thank you. Thank you. I used the big word. <laughs> Jameson informs her that Zombie, Quentin, and Barnabas are returning and that Barnabas has failed. <laughs> so Judith, uh, now the, the Trask wants to interview Jameson as a prospective right. student. But Judith realizes, of course, he's not... Interviewing Jameson, he's interviewing Quentin in the guise of Jameson, and that's not going to be a great interview for a reverend gentleman. So she tries to like put it off, but um, Trask is a is a bit of a self righteous bully, and so he uh, convinces her to allow him to interview Jameson, uh, even though she says he's not himself, literally. But as I say, she relinquishes under his overbearing pushiness. So he goes upstairs, and then Barnabas arrives with the zombie Quentin. Barnabas holds out hope that something. That, you know, he can be cured, but Judith despairs. Meanwhile, Trask and Jameson come downstairs. Jameson can sense that Quentin is in the house and says so. And Trask surprisingly announces to Judith that Jameson is possessed. So uh, he is on, he's on the money with what's going on here. Barnabas comes out into the foyer and is struck by Trask's resemblance to the Trask of Barnabas's past, if we all remember that Trask, the one who, of course, sent uh, Vicky Winters to the to the uh, uh, hangman's noose as a witch. And he says, Trask. And of course, Trask says, how do you know me, sir? But Trask soon learns the truth of the situation, and he declares that he will pray out the Quentin. So he clears everyone out of the drawing room, and he forces Jameson to kneel before him, and he loudly prays to rid the house of the devil's work. As Judith and Barnabas pace and fret in the foyer, they hear Jameson scream of pain, but Trash refuses to allow Barnabas in. And Barnabas opens the door, and the camera kind of pushes in towards the door, and it goes out of focus. And that's their a- a- attempt at a kind of a cliffhanger ending, because that is the end of the show. We start episode 725, back in the foyer. Barnabas stares at his portrait, convinced that there is a connection to the past. And my feeling is, would that connection be Angelique? Isn't Angelique the connection to the past? Not necessarily Trask, but anyway, okay. Barnabas is suspicious of Trask anyhow. And then uh, inside the the drawing room, Trask makes Jameson hold Quentin's hand and continues to pray loudly and uh, kind of, I don't know, it's just a lot of make-em-ups. But uh, finally... Trask opens the door to reveal that Quentin and Jameson are apparently healed, although Barnabas is not so convinced. The murder of Quentin is foremost in Quentin's mind. And when he wakes up, he's like, uh, has anyone arrested my ex-wife? <laughs> uh, and, and then, of course, 
uh, for murder. And then Trask is, uh, you know, he's like, there was a murder. And everyone's like, hey, let's. And then he says, let's not talk about this in front of the child. And so uh, he makes Barnabas take Quentin away. And then Trask is able to leverage Judith's gratitude uh, to take, you know, to have her agree to remove Jameson from Collinwood and have him and its unwholesome atmosphere and, and go to Worthington Hall. Now, Jameson is not down with this. He does not want to go with this guy, but Trask takes Jameson to his room to discuss it. Meanwhile, Quentin is curious why Barnabas is not convinced about Trask. He becomes angry when Barnabas brings up his wife. He's, you know, he says, I married young. She was young. Uh, and it seems like he's admitting that, you know, and he says, uh, she was disapproved of. No one in the family disapproved of, no one in the family approved of her. Uh, but then he gets mad when, uh, when Barnabas, you know, hints that it was he who drove his wife mad. And he's, you know, he says, why are, you know, why I'm ask, why am I answering your questions? You know, you should be answering mine. And then, uh, and he refuses to address Barnabas, basically. Meanwhile, Reverend Trask, attempts to overcome Jameson's objections to going to his school. He bullies Jameson into praying, and it's very suggestive. I don't know if the director, uh, Leela Swift, who was the longtime director of Dark Shadows, uh, whether she meant this or not, but it's very suggestive that the way he has Jameson kneel in front of him uh, to pray, um, there's a real sense of, of, um, of, like, you know, abuse here. And it's very it's interesting. Anyway, in the drawing room, uh, Quentin attacks his sister, literally attacks his sister, not goes in and says, hey, you. No, he grabs her from behind and starts strangling her. And he wants to know the truth about why Jenny is being kept there. And he says, you know, the family never wanted her when I brought her here. Why is she now here? There must be some reason for this. And of course, Judas uh, shiftily denies that that uh, Jenny is there for any other reason. Meanwhile, we return to Jameson's bedroom where Task has bullied him into agreeing that he will go to um, that he will go to Worthington Hall. Uh, and now it's against Jameson's wishes, and it's interesting. He he's uh, he is um, playing with a sash, his his sash to tie up his night robe. He's playing with it in this way that's very very telling. Very sashy. Very sa- very sashy. A yes. Sashay. Yes. But it seems to play into this sort of abuse element that uh, Swift sort of suggested. It's weird. Um, now, downstairs, Quentin agrees to help Jameson. So when, 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 when Trask brings Jameson downstairs, Jameson whis- whispers to Quentin that he needs to help him to, to not have to go to away with Trask. And Quentin agrees to oppose him being sent away. And then in the drawing room, Jameson attempts to deny that he agreed to what Trask is saying, insisting that Trask forced him and was, and, you know, and was, uh, you know, bullied him. But Judith sides with Trask, who, you know, performed a miracle. And so, of course, she feels this gra- outsized gratitude that is the clouding her better judgment. That night, when Trask comes to collect Jameson, Barnabas confronts him about his ancestor, about his old his ancestor, Trask, who, who uh, um, uh, Trask describes as a hero and a great man. But, uh, Barnabas, of course, has other ideas. And, of course, he also mentions that he strangely disappeared when he left uh, Collinsport. And Barnabas wisely doesn't say, well, that's because he's bricked up on a wall downstairs. <laughs> um, so then uh, Judith discovers that Jameson has run away. So rather than being taken away to this school, he's run off. Episode 727 begins with uh, the Reverend Trask praying for the safe return of Jameson. Barnabas, more practical, returns from a search of the woods 
still hostile to Trask, hostile is equally hostile to him, feeling that he's not uh, a he that he's does not have it in him to believe and trust that he's a, that he does not believe in uh, that he's not. He does not. He's not. A, he's not naturally good. Is what he, how he feels. Okay. He he somehow senses Barnabas's vamp, vampireness. Right. Does is, is Barnabas uh, will a crucifix like burn Barnabas or any of that stuff? Uh, we haven't seen that yet. Okay. So I don't know. I think the religious probably will have something on him. Though. I think a religious elements on the show would be poo pooed by the censors of that time period. Mm. Um. Sorry, I had to take a drink. Now, question arrives. Trask informs him that his daughter is arriving and must be sent to him the moment mm-hmm. she arrives. Immediately, as she's very shy. It's good to rush shy people. Quentin responds ironic, ironically. He says, sir, yes, sir. Which the Trask does not, Trask does not take very well to. Yeah. Quentin is also suspicious of Trask and curious about his power. But Barnabas denies that he has power, saying that what happened was merely coincidence in the drawing room. Uh, but he suspects Quentin of hiding Jameson from Trask. And Quentin does not deny it. Um, let me just turn the page, everyone. Quentin does not deny it. He declares... Uh, he does, uh, and then Barnabas declares that he's going to investigate Trask, and Quentin agrees. Oh, sorry. Now I should go back a little bit. Now Quentin admits that he's hiding Jameson, and Barnabas says, "He says, but do you think I'm going to tell you?" And Barnabas says, uh, "Well, it doesn't matter. If you did tell me, I wouldn't give away to Trask. You're doing exactly what I would do in your place." Oh, okay. I agree with what you're doing, and then he declares that. And then Barnabas says, "I'm going to go and investigate Trask and find out more about him." And Quentin says, I agree that you should investigate him, but we should not agree with each other so much. This is not making me comfortable. So I don't like you. I don't like you either. Let me lock eyes. Let me <laughs> forward, almost kiss. There is a lot of that to the relationship. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Rachel enters the drawing room. Quentin briefly plays the zombie for her, mm. scaring her. But then he laughs and reveals, because he wasn't there when he became himself. So he reveals that uh, he is now back to himself, but compliments his zombie uh, Quentin for having the good taste to carry her away and does a little bit more flirting with her. Yeah, makes her a zombie. Then Rachel tells Quentin that that she was right about the light in the tower. That no one believed her, but that she investigated and she discovered that someone was being kept up in the tower. Mm. And when Quentin hears this, his, of course his eyebrows leap up into his forehead and he <laughs> darts from the room and up the stairs, yelling, I'll be right back because he thinks that this is the person that he was looking for. Mm. Thinking that it's Jenny, his... Uh, uh, attempted murder. Although she didn't murder him, but yeah. you know, now it's now it's hard to prove because he's walking around and alive. Uh there's another knock at the door. It's a common thing. We have a moment of, of nothing happening. Yes. What what was that? Did I hear? And should really get a doorbell. <laughs> Ding dong. And uh, Rachel answers this time. Now there's a young woman at the door mm. who's smiling, but when she sees Rachel, she drops her smile immediately. And she says, Why Rachel Drummond? So we know that she knows her. And Rachel says, Charity, what are you doing here? Well, I began at home. I know. I didn't mention. I didn't. Ma- <laughs> I didn't mention earlier that the Reverend Trask mentioned his daughter Charity. So yeah. this is a, the daughter that he mentioned earlier was coming to visit. So it is well, Charity a pretty Trask. Good joke. That was a pretty good joke. Yes, thank you for Charity. Begins at home. <laughs> so this char- this Charity. This is played by Nancy Barrett, who we better know as as uh, Carolyn uh, from the main cast of the main you know, main main cast of the show, the daughter of Elizabeth Stoddard. Uh, she implies that there is something shameful in Rachel's past that she has mm. hidden from the Collins family. She says, like, did you tell him what you did in the past? And Rachel hems and haws. And then Rachel learns that the Reverend Trask is also in the house. And she is horrified, <laughs> just terrified to learn this. Her face falls. She's, and at, the moment, at that moment, Barnabas comes downstairs to see that Rachel is visibly upset and offers to take charity to her father. 
a frightened, panicky Rachel runs to the door to the, at the back of the house, but stops herself. And she monologues that she can't run away again. She must face them. She's interrupted, by, she's interrupted uh, in her thoughts by Quentin, who kind of puts his face beside hers and says, I explored the tower, but I found nothing. Hmm. Except for a doll with a missing eye. Oh, but what does that mean? <laughs> Rachel is afraid that Quentin won't believe her, but he does. He says, I know that someone was kept in that room, but they've taken them. They've, they've removed them. And, and the I'm going to find eye. out where. Yeah. And the doll's eye, yes. <laughs> Upstairs, Charity informs her father that she has seen Rachel in the house. He gives a prayer of thanks that Rachel has been delivered back to them and seems very excited about it. Rachel tells Barnabas about her horrifying experiences at Worthington Hall. So she says that when she was a young girl, she was... Uh, now, anyone who's a friend of Jane Eyre will recognize this uh, origin <laughs> story. So when she was a young girl, she had a, uh, was looked after by, a, by an aunt who was very distant, did not care for her very well. A distant. A distant, yes. Thank you. You're knocking one of the park today. <laughs> and uh, so this aunt just wanted to get rid of her. And so she sent her to this Worthington Hall. And of course, the, the reverend came and acted holier than thou and said a lot of great things and prayed to God and all the rest of those sort of things. And they brought her to the house where she lived under a, a she, they lived under a, a, just a series of abuses and uh, was treated terribly. And then when her aunt died, was told that her aunt hadn't finished paying for her, Ugh. for her time there and that she owed them money right. and she would have to work it off as a teacher there. And so basically she entered into indentured servitude at the school. So this is a combination of Jane Eyre and uh, there's a, in Nicholas Nickleby, there's part of the story is he gets sent to what was called a Yorkshire school. So these distant schools from London where people would get rid of bastards and unwanted children that, you know, and they would just pay like a minimal, minimum amount of money for them to be storehoused in these places where they just face terrible abuse. And at least in Nicholas Nickleby, and I imagine that Charles Dickens was writing from some sort of uh, journalistic idea of what was happening in these places. And in the in the Nickleby story, there's a character called Smike, who uh, is basically like an indentured servant who works as a teacher at the school. That uh, And uh, Nicholas Nickleby is also in the same position. Oh, no, Smike is a student, sorry, okay. who is being kept at the school because he basically is a slave because he is parents... He's just an orphan, and then there's no one to pay for his upkeep, and so he's become fallen into this trap. And Nicholas Nickleby is also in the same trap. He's been he's an indentured servant as a teacher. And in this story, though, as Rachel tells it, uh, she had a friend whose name was Tim, Tim Shaw, and they were best buds as children. But when it was discovered that she was friends with a boy, they were forcibly parted from each other. She was locked in a room for, th for a month, and he was locked away, and they had to agree to never see each other again or talk to each other. Later on, though, uh, they escaped, and... And so that's, that's why she's no longer there. The old days were the worst. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, they were. And also you had to be named something like Nicholas Nickleby. Mm. That's, that's hard enough. Like already <laughs> I'm feeling for that guy. That's a great book. Uh, I mean, it's almost as bad as Chuck Dickens. <laughs> Chuck Dickens? Yeah. Old Chuck Dickens. Yes. Like, oh boy. Terrible names. <laughs> so, um, so she tells that story to, to um, Barnabas. And so, of course, he... His bad, bad opinion of Trask is further confirmed. But Trask confronts Rachel in the drawing room. He sends Barnabas away. And then there's a weird scene where he like tells her how beautiful she is, how beautiful her hair is, and gets all very romantic looking towards yeah. her. And then he like twitches. And then he's like, but you stole from us. 
you stole from us and you broke your contract because you still owed us money or you and you stole money when you left and she says but you owed me wages and I took what I was owed you took too much and you still owed us time working there because of what your aunt owed us and you left that's breach of contract and he informs her that Tim is back at the school so Tim was somehow found again and forced to go back to the school and he says you will return as well and so he goes back to his room and he confidently tells Charity that Rachel will return and they kneel in prayer together to celebrate this downstairs a trapped feeling Rachel tells Barnabas that there's nothing he can do to help her and quickly leaves the room Barnabas goes outside and stares up at the lighted windows of Collinwood deep in thought <laughs> later forgiving his line <laughs> well there's a lot of that in the show oh my god I leave all that out it's something to watch there's a scene where often he'll do a scene and he'll like purposely point himself right at the right at the because uh, there is a prompter that yeah. they can read but sometimes he'll have to do a scene where the, it's staged so that his back is to the camera and he's talking to someone. Oh, it's a car crash in action. <laughs> but that night, Charity is asleep in bed when her old friend, the rubber bat, is squeaking outside her window. Yes, Barnabas the vampire appears in her bedroom and approaches her bed. Just as Charity awakens, he sinks his fangs deep in her neck. Oh, no. The end Barnabas. Of this week... Barnabas. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't get mad at a vampire for doing what a vampire does. But. Yeah. Also, if you want to have some say over what's happening in the Trask family, having a blood slave is a lot of help. It's true. I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm not putting down blood slaves. You know me. I'm pro blood <laughs> You're, you know, we haven't. I'm yeah. on the record. We, we've come down on a lot of things, but we've never said a bad word about blood slaves. Yeah. It's funny when you're talking about like a person hemming and hawing. It just made me think of like. A version of hee-haw that was called ham-haw, but they never get to the joke. <laughs> that just made me giggle. That's uh, right. It would just be like, uh, my mother sews my pants too tight. <laughs> what happens? Uh, oh. ooh, just duck, duck, back down into the corner. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Uh, oh, jeez. To the cornfield. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that just makes me laugh. Mr. Roy... I don't know. I don't know. And then when you mentioned Jane Eyre, for some reason I just thought of Jane Eyre Bud. <laughs> it's just like this dog who's just a sad dog that's yeah. just having to work off Orphan his dog, debt. Orphan dog, yeah. Has to work off his debt playing basketball. It's just like nothing in the rule book says a, de- a dog can't work off his debt playing basketball. Um, what's interesting about the show right now is that so much is happening. Like, that was a lot of stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. But we're still not dealing with, like, Angelique isn't isn't around. Uh, Sandor and Magda, who apparently, where are they? What are they? They're, oh, they're a plot a of themselves. They're, they're a plot of themselves. Like, a lot of the plots of, like, you know, Jenny, the whole mad wife thing, That's that seems to have disappeared for the time being. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Like, they in the past, you know, there'd be, like, I could do, like, I could do, like, six shows in the amount of writing i do for three right now because this is so much stuff going wow, on yeah that before i would just like ignore like it was just so much like recap i could ignore it all but right now it's just crazy what's going on this is interesting like um and i really like this idea they had of just like smashing together different liter- elements of literature you know like to sort of take jane Eyre, nicholas nickleby we've read those you know yeah. so we'll just smash them together and make and make our own kind of interesting world of wor- this worthington hall and what is it like you know what i imagine we're going to go there so i'm really curious about what it's going to be like Nicholas Nickelback. <laughs> what if Oliver Twist was a vampire? 
Could mm. I have some more? No, you can't have more. Then I don't have you. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Well, it's more, more, it's more like, what if Oliver Twist met the portrait of eight, of Dorian Gray? Okay. Met Frankenstein. Something like that. You know, like they just yeah. keep, they'll just kind of smash these different kind of things together to make make their own version of, of this uh, crazy The Dorian place. Gray idea is something that, you know, would be so nicely rip-offable. Uh, like it wouldn't even have to be like a painting. It could be like any object that like, mm-hmm. you know, just rocks. Like a deadly and... hellos? Oh, my time. <laughs> so let's just get on to our letters. Last week, we asked, do you have an interesting story about your name? Mm. That's something we asked. We also asked, uh, who's the best villain in literature? Well, we got some responses, Dave. Did we? I don't want to tell you that we got 10 responses, but we did. <laughs> and that's just on the sneaky page. We okay. also got some emails, I think. Nice. Or an email. Uh, Edward Dragansky. Oh, must be the end, because Edward's always at the oh, end. He's but no, he's he's the first. The first one, this time? The last has become the first. The wow. first has become the last. Wow. And the little child shall lead them. <laughs> uh, Edward uh, writes, hey, guys, great show this weekend. Thanks. I have to support David 100%. Oh, I don't like this. On his choice of movie food. Oh, okay. I'm fine with that. If I uh, <laughs> if I can't eat it as if I were blind, I wouldn't be eating it in the dark during a movie. Popcorn is ideal, as are finger snacks or candy, but a Whopper and fries? <laughs> if I'm sitting in a theater, I can smell a Whopper uh, off someone a hundred paces away. Uh, we have a place that's made to, to eat while you watch a movie, but it's set up in a way uh, that you're eating before the film starts and usually a finish before having to direct any attention to the screen. We have that as well with the VIP uh, things here. Yeah. That's why uh, that's when they bring uh, bags of popcorn to you as part of the deal of ordering a meal with the movie. Also, no spaghetti, please, or silverware <laughs> clinking on plates while I'm trying to hear the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny, when you mentioned Whopper, I originally thought uh, the malt candy. Oh, is there a, a called a Whopper? Yeah, mal- there's Maltesers and there's yeah. Whoppers. They're basically the same oh, okay. candy. I know Maltesers. Yeah, answering your question. I think it's the American version is the Whopper. Oh, okay. Uh, answering your question uh, for me from episode 536. What's one thing people get wrong about Texas? Well, Texas is a huge state, the second largest right behind Alaska. So when I hear visitors ask... Can we go see the Alamo or let's take an afternoon and go to Padre Island? I have to laugh. So many visitors, Chicago family included, think it's like the tri-state area where you can just drive around Texas in no time. My uncle from Chicago wanted to go to El Paso once, which is 11 hours away. I had a recruiter call me once about a job in Austin. So I told him, I'm not moving to Austin. He responded with, can't you commute? I could. But I'd have to eliminate sleeping for my life since Austin is almost four hours away. <laughs> to be fair, the guy was in Chicago and had no idea how large Texas was. Uh, north of Dallas and can be in Oklahoma within the hour. So everything in Texas is either far west, south, or east for me. Hmm. So the old state tagline, everything is bigger in Texas, kind of rings true. Especially if you mean your gas bill or the distance you're spending it on. Also, Ian is right. All my exes do live here. <laughs> Galveston. It's such an old, old town and salty. I've been many times as a fairly affordable gateway and for spring break. My first wife and I took the kiddos there when they were uh, just little enough to experience what a beach was like. When they were little, uh, just to, when they were little, just to experience what a beach was like. The Gulf of Mexico is filthy though. Uh, you can't see through the water and it's advisable to wear old shoes when going into the water. Wow. My daughter, who was uh, four at the time, Wanted to go into the water for shells. 
so we carefully waited out as I reached down and blindly shifted out shells for her from under the water. At one point, I retrieved something that wasn't a shell, so I separated it and, turning away from my daughter, inspected it. It. Have you read this letter? It was a dog's tail. I didn't want my daughter to see it, so I quickly threw it back and retreated to the dry beach to do something else, like build a sandcastle or something. Just find a skull that way. Oh, boy. I wonder if it was wagging. Uh, there's also seaweed everywhere. It was like uh, pulling it out of my swimsuit later on after leaving the beach. There are some great historical places to see in Galveston. Uh, and a very old shopping district called The Strand, hmm. with uh, tons of antiques and seafood. Galveston is a very old and worn-out place, but it's uh, only one of hundreds of places along the Gulf that you can visit. Like I said, it's a big state. <laughs> it is a big state. Yep. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, that's actually one of my favorite uh, uh, Stephen King books, The Strand, all about Galveston. <laughs> um, you'll find out how that dog's tail got there. And my gosh... It's uh, not good. Um, you got the interesting story about my name already, so I'll move on to who's a fictional character you relate to from last time. I'll give you guys some huge props if you know this character without looking him up. David Basner. I have already read this. The, Very good. The, David yeah. Basner is Tom Hanks' role in the 1986 film Nothing in Common, which I saw in the theater four or five times. I wouldn't have known that, though. If you've ever seen it, Hanks is an... I, if you were asked me to list... Uh, Tom Hanks movies. Yes. I would never get around to nothing in common. No, I wouldn't either. I don't even remember it. Yeah, I believe that's the one with the... Well, he's probably going to say it now. Yeah, of course he is. So why would I bring it up? <laughs> Hanks is an advertising creative director in Chicago, who, in Chicago, who Chicago. has to deal with his elderly parents' divorce, played by Jackie Gleason and Eve Marie Saint. Mm. The detail of Hanks' character in advertising inspired me, uh, and I was seeing the film for that. He drove a Jeep, which I also drove. The film also took place in Chicago, which at the time I was planning on moving back to. The ad agency was based on the famous Chicago Leo Burnett agency, which I ended up working with while designing spot campaigns for 7-Up. <laughs> and lastly, Hanks was still friends with his ex-girlfriend. The, the Uncola. Yeah. <laughs> Hanks was still friends with his ex-girlfriend, played by Bess Armstrong, who bears an uncanny resemblance to my ex-girlfriend at the time. I've been compared to Hanks by friends and family uh, before, but not like this. I still give the film Nothing in Common a huge credit for giving me a look inside the advertising biz and luring me into it. Yes, I related to David Basner. Wow. Very good. I'm going to ask Edward uh, a question that's just for Edward. Yeah, no one else. Um, what's the most realistic depiction of the advertising industry uh, that you've seen in film or television? We can go with a bewitched. We can go with a madman. We can go with like uh, any of those. Uh, go with a, uh, I think bosom buddies. I think was one, which was another Tom Hanks one. Yeah. Uh, let me know. Maybe this best villain. Ian said I could choose films, right? Yeah. David, you'd flog me if you knew how little I read actual books. <laughs> Sorry, mainly comics. Uh, thinking I should lean into Darth Vader for uh, best villain or Doctor Doom. Uh, I wanted to give an unexpected shout out to an actor who famously plays villains perfectly on screen, David Warner. Mm -hmm. Warner's roles span decades, but it is his villains that resonate uh, the most for me. Evil genius from Time Bandits, Master Control Program from Tron, or my favorite of his, Dr. John Leslie Stevenson, a.k.a. Jack the Ripper from Time After Time. Yes, very good. Yeah, creepy. Uh, there are so many uh, more screen credits to his name. I absolutely love seeing Warner in any role he's in. Shit, I wrote a lot, and I'm first. Goes to show what a good nap can do for you. 
All good things to you both, and my fellow sneakers, have fun with the Sparks release. I'm excited for you all. Thanks so much. Coming out April 5th. Uh, I already have it, apparently. Sparks, yeah, some people have already gotten it. Yeah. Uh, I have not gotten my comp copies yet. Uh, hmm. Nina has, because... Bit of a burn. Bit of a burn, but, uh, you know, when I see it and see that it's real, then I'll believe that it's real. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's called Sparks Future Perfect. Um, uh, I'll order it now. Perfect. Dave colored it. Uh, did. Jonathan Bampton writes, uh, Hey, Ed, a dog's tail. Yikes and yuck. <laughs> In that order. Still, this strand sounds charming enough. Uh, I get so much enjoyment from the uh, song Galveston that I doubt my opinion would change even faced with the reality of a visit. See you there in 2025? Uh, my favorite villain in literature, probably Comrade O'Brien in Orwell's 1984. Oh, okay. I know he's a stand-in for the totalitarian state rather than a fleshed-out character in his own right, but that doesn't make his deadpan volley with Winston Smith any less unnerving and horrifying. In a similar vein, the interrogator Glecken, Glecken, Glecken in Darkness at Noon similarly sticks in mind, but I really need a revisit. Who am I kidding? My favorite villain is either of the two Scorpios, Hank Scorpio <laughs> from The Simpsons, or Harry Callahan's nemesis in Dirty Harry. Here's a question for you. Who would win in a fight between Hank Scorpio and and uh, and Scorpio from Dirty Harry? Huh, Jonathan? Who'd win? Let me know. And why? P.S. I love traditional wedding uh, Christmas fruitcake, Dave. It's mm. so good. Uh, I really had to fight to have it as one of the layers of my wedding cake. My wife is Colombian and couldn't believe it. It's so bland, so dense. Do you really expect people to get up and dance after eating it? You're crazy. People don't really eat it. Uh, my cherished one still holds this opinion. She has, however, come to somewhat uh, like a small scrape of Vegemite over crispy toast. That's more than me. P.P.S. Dave, mm? how long can you go uh, with burger aftertaste in your mouth? This is a question for you. How long can you take that burger aftertaste? Not too long. So an hour, ten minutes. Yeah, I usually have a bit of gum after dinner. A little bit of gum. Yeah, after the gum. If I'm like, like at a res- restaurant, I'll have some gum. And PPPPS. PPPPPS. How are Regis and Mick? Well, how are they? I know, I know. Well, I guess uh, hopefully we'll find out. Very quiet. Dave, he hates that burger taste so much. <laughs> Will we have a burger after this? We'll see. Yeah, we're meeting actually up with uh, with Nina after this. Oh. See, gonna see her comps. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Peter Aries uh, Hi, Ian and Dave. Hello. Hearing you uh, after a pause made me realize how your gentle chatter and searing critique of vintage confectionery (laughs) has come to enhance the start of my week. You were sorely missed, and this week's talk was all the sweeter for it. Uh, I apologize. It was uh, just one of those things where, you know, like when I turn on my website, it'll be like, we have updates. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, Better it says turn me on, dead keep man. These, keep these uh, various plugins up to date, you know, so they're not yeah. uh, vulnerable to attack, et cetera. So I updated, and after that, the uh, nothing the the show wouldn't load. Oh. So it showed that it loaded. Like I loaded yeah. it, it was in there. It showed on the bottom of the screen that it was there. And yeah. I guess normally I turn it on and check, but I don't know. I must I might have been in a rush or something. And I didn't check, and I tur- I turned it on. I think I was late, wasn't I? That was the late. I think I put that up after midnight because why did I do that? I was busy with something. I'm sorry. Anyway, I had a busy night that night. Okay. So, oh, because it was a church spaghetti dinner. That's what it was. All right. So in the morning, I had to um, go. I had to make. I made the crust 
for the I had to, so I had to go buy the stuff because we make sex. Spaghetti doesn't have. We fun. make sex in the pan. We make a dessert. Whoa! I know. What, what the, the hell? Heck? What's going what the, on? I know it's you know because you know church. Wham food. bam! Thank you, flan. <laughs> That's what I make. <laughs> It's much more elaborate than what I do. So, but I so I went to the grocery store and I bought the ingredients I needed. Sure. Brought it home. Made I said the, to them, I'm making sex in the pan. That's what I said at the store. And then I laughed. <laughs> For Can church. you believe we call that a church? Oh, we're so daring. And then I uh, took it home, made the crust. The crust had to cool. Okay. So then I went into Abbotsford because I had to get some bird seed because the birds absolutely like killed, literally killed all of the, um, all of whatever. Yeah. All of my birdseed. Well, and, the, and I think the squirrels have been getting there too. But you know what? We've been laying out birdseed and yeah, this birds have been going bad. Yeah, they're really hungry. Yeah. And so I was at, I went to um, Wild Birds Unlimited in Abbotsford and I picked right. up some, some birdseed, talked talk to the ladies there, promoted Sparks. I had my Sparks shirt on. The lady was very interested. I told her what it was about. She looked it up, said, oh, I'm going to read that. Yeah, so and like, then you said, what and I'm time? off to make sex in the pan. Tweet you. Like, what? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then I left there, and then I popped in at the hardware or the lumberyard to see if uh, okay. stuff, materials I need are, are available for the bathroom. Still not nothing. Empty shelves. Uh-huh. Goddamn supply chain problem. So then I left there, went home. Then I made I made my um, I made my rest of my my sex in the pan because it has to cool. <laughs> it's been, it's like it's really simple. It's like you make a crust, pecan crust, then you make a. Oh, that's nice. It is nice. Then you make a, a a sour cream sugar layer. Oh, all right. That you fold Keep a bit of whip cre- whipping cream into. Keep going. So make some whipping cream. Put that in. Da, da, da. Save half of the whipping cream. Okay. Then you then you make uh, pudding. You make vanilla and chocolate pudding together wow. with milk. Make it a real thick thing. You pour that on top of the of the layer of um of okay. sour cream. Crazy. And then you put. Uh, whipping cream on top of that. Holy shit. Okay. With chocolate, shaved chocolate on top. Okay. Done. Put that in the fridge. So cool off. Cool off. Going to church. And I need to go outside and I had to feed the birds. Yeah. So I went outside. I get what you mean. Wink, wink. Went outside, <laughs> fed the birds. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, and then I mixed, I mixed the, 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 oh, and when I was at the wild bird place, yeah. I was very excitedly bought some hot seed. To, to help to keep the squirrels from eating the, the seed. Well, I mean, you can't have sex in the pan without hot seed. <laughs> Let me just keep on feeding you. And so then so then I, it's like a 50-50 mix. So I poured in my We're new We're going to get seed. back to your letter. Okay, keep going. We poured in the seed. Yeah. Put in the hot seed. Yeah. I mixed it in. I mixed it all in. Yeah. And then I, I went over and I thought, okay, I'll do a little bit on the show. So I went over and I was... um. Doing something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. So then I was working on the show. I think I was working on the show. Anyway, I was getting the show ready. And then I rubbed my face. Oh. And then my face started to really burn. Because I was my hands were covered in, in hot and hot stuff from the from the hot seed. Okay. Because I had mixed it in by hand. Okay. And so then I rubbed my face on the other side, and then that started to burn. I was like, oh my God, my face is so hot. Oh, this is terrible. So then I, I went into the house and I said, I better wash my hands off. Yeah. So I washed my hands with soap and water. Wash, 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 wash. Right. Wash them for a little bit. You're almost becoming a Batman villain. Mm-hmm. And then, then I was like, well, I better wash my face too because I've got this stuff on it. So then I washed my face. Apparently washed my hands. I needed to wash them for like an hour because my face started to burn. Oh. And then I opened my eyes and then I got this this hot pepper water in my eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> so then my eyes were killing me. And then I realized the most horrifying thing of all was that before I washed my hands, I peed. And I forgot I should wash my hands before I peed. Oh, God. So then... Down, yeah. downstairs started to also act up 
So then I was very upset. I was not happy with myself. Okay. There was a lot of disaster. So you jumped in the shower. So I jumped in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> and I, was ent- I was entirely covered with the hot stuff. Uh, no, I didn't go in the shower. So then, but then I had to, um, by this time I had to go to, to the church because I needed to get set up for, yeah. for choir. So I was there for that. I had to help cook some stuff. And I made the punch. I hurt my penis yeah. because of all my hot seed <laughs> while I was making sex in the pan. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be here at church. <laughs> yes. And they all laughed. Hee hee hee. Sex in the pan. Oh, we're so yeah, dirty. That's the one thing they laughed at. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I didn't get home until quite late from that. And then I did the show. And I put the show up. Said, all good. Wiped off my hands as if I was rusty right. on SCTV. And left. Touched your face again. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Forgot <right>. about it. <laughs> And then in, I went in the house and I was like, oh, I know it's late, but I'm going to read for a little bit. <sighs> Fell asleep right away. Then woke up. There's a message from you. It was five in the morning. And you're saying, Dave, the website isn't working. So then I was up from five in the morning trying to get the website going and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, well, I'm up. I might as well do a title card. So I started working on a title card. And then, uh, and then, yeah. But the thing is, is that to make, to fix it, you have to step your whole website back a day or whatever to when you hadn't done this update. Oh, okay. So then I took a long time for that to work. Yeah. Give me time to do breaks. So that was a good break. And a title card. There we go. Anyway. And that's that's why things were a little delayed because of Dave's sex in the van. <laughs> and my hot seed. And his so burning, burning genitals. <laughs> everything, everything is like yeah. so innocent until you get to... <laughs> All right. Anyway. What's letter. wrong, Dave? Why, why, why is the why is this, the podcast knocked up? Not up. Oh, I got blister dick. What? <laughs> what kind of dessert is that? Oh, I wish. <laughs> Again, I'm so sorry, Peter. Um, so anyway, uh, Peter continues. Uh, the uh, for example, your discussion of the Charlie Brown extended expanded universe took me back to a dusty corner of my great aunt's attic. And her stash of acrid-smelling uh, peanuts paperbacks. Uh-huh. The great illustrators from Beatrix Potter onwards left space uh, at the edges of their drawings into which the imagination could wander. And Schultz does this by evoking things beyond the frame, uh, from the inside of Snoopy's kennel to the unseen characters of the teacher and the little red-haired girl. Mm-hmm. As a child, it was strangely comforting to see Charlie Brown suffer realistic frustrations, disappointment, and melancholy, and I hope today's children can find similar bittersweet entertainment. I think they can. I think they can. Um, thank you, uh, Dave, for another blazing top five. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I love the variety of styles you assembled uh, this week. With the Led Zeppelin, uh, a particular high point. Their black dog, not semi noodle, every time it gets <laughs> to the part where the guitars slip into a 5 8 whilst. At the same time, the drums keep plodding along in 4-4. Baby, baby. <laughs> uh, the way these tunes rattle your brain by disrupting normal musical patterns is delicious. Yeah. Although it's easy to understand uh, why some might find them annoying. Someone once told me that the UK telephone ring is an odd time to make it deliberately irritating. Ring, ring, three, four, five, ring, ring. From the perspective of a dancer, odd time signatures can be a particular challenge. Many years ago, I saw a band crack out a perfect version of Lalo uh, Schifrin's 5-8 Mission Impossible theme at a local <laughs> nightclub. After the irresistible groove had filled the dance floor, the clubbers' faces were filled with confused looks <laughs> as they realized they were being literally wrong-footed by the music, starting one bar on the left foot 
and the next on the right. Of course, you 2 sorted uh, all this out by flattening the theme into 4-4, which tells you all you need to know about them. <laughs> what a bunch of bonos. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, Blondie achieved mm-hmm. the impossible by combining danceable disco beats and odd time signatures in Heart of Glass, mm-hmm. which cheats by dropping a beat uh, here and there. Oh, Blondie. <laughs> Uh, our swing dance classes are tentatively restarting and we'll be adding a session of the Odd Time Challenge. A particular favorite for this exercise connects uh, to your Dave Brubeck selection, his 7 8 uh, Unsquare Dance. Another song from Time Out. Yeah, there is a fantastic, I love that uh, album. There's yeah. a fantastic clip of a couple dancing to this and they get around the Odd Time signature with the occasional skip step and some sharp choreography which may have been an absolute bugger to coordinate <laughs> and is visible here. And we have a link. I will uh, post that on the website if you want to see uh, Three more to add to the playlist. Genesis Turn It On Again alternates between 7, 8, 5, and 4, yet still sounds like a top 40 pop banger. <laughs> Nick Lowe's I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass drop beats uh, add tension to the pop. And lastly, Rocky Bill Ford's 1956 Mad Dog in Town a slice of grungy rockabilly that flits between two, four, six, and eight in a way that defies analysis and nicely counterpoints all the clever, clever art school bands. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, I didn't I like. I don't really know time signatures of songs. Like I, okay. that's not my thing. So obviously, I went online and went songs with odd time signatures. Dear internet, it's dear internet. And so I just Best read. Regards. I read articles and I just kind of chose the songs I liked from the list that I read. And I didn't see uh, no one mentioned Breaking Glass. Uh, I love the sound of broken glass by Nick Lowe. And no one mentioned that song, the final song you mentioned there, whose name I can't think of now. Sorry, what was it called again? Mad Dog in Town. Mad Dog in Town. Yeah, that was not mentioned. So that's, I, I'm gonna give that one a give that one a hear. Very good. We got a holdover from last week. Edward Gansky is back. <gasps> Uh, I finally thought of a funny celebrity name. <laughs> if you remember the 1970s show Emergency, do we ever? Dave did a title card that was a very good emergency. Yeah, I did do an emergency one. That's right. And you'll remember Randolph fun. Mantooth, uh, who played Johnny Gage, uh, born Randy DeRoy Mantooth. Randolph Mantooth is the actor's real name. And you thought Byron Allen was a deep retro TV throwback. <laughs> mm-hmm. One name I love from the past, which is not an actor, but was someone involved in movies. He was a set decorator. I just think his name is the, the greatest is Van Nest Pole Glaze. Oh my God! What a name! That is excellent. He name. did the uh, all the Ar- RKO pictures. He did like the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies. His name is Regis, always prominent. Regis has written us. Uh, I'm glad to see Regis is back. Regis, as usual, uh, his uh, his letters are like poems. I'm going to try and, and do them justice. <laughs> okay, here we go. Regis writes, "Hey, let me get my bongos next time, man." About my name, I already told you, or did I? Don't remember, because sometimes I think that I have done what I thought I will do, but in fact, don't. See? It's like a poem. Yep. Right? That was a haiku. (coughs) Indeed. Sorry, I just had a haiku there. Um, Sorry, Ian. (laughs) Cumbersome sentences. Man is back. True. Oh, but now I have a real excuse, because I'm officially stamped with a genuine ADHD high-quality weirdness label, and subsequently, <laughs> I'm on drugs, but don't worry, it's completely legal. Oh, well, that's oh. good, because Dave and I are a couple of narcs. That's right. We would have to, we would have to inform on you if you... Uh... Let me take my medication. <coughs> oh, shoot. This one is the flower. <laughs> er, where was I again? <laughs> hey, what's this guy on? Hemhaw? 
Oh, yeah, my name. I told you about Regis uh, that I remember. So my surname, uh, Prequelier. Yeah, I know. Don't even try to start to spell it. I won't because you wrote it out. <laughs> you can see how that's not a problem for me. Even here, people mispronounce it. So there's a Jacques-Antoine uh, Prequelier who got a Wikipedia page, uh, a small one and only in French, but nonetheless, a Wikipedia page. <laughs> people with Wikipedia pages make me sick. Go check out mine. Um, born in 1753. Has your, has your favorite picture of yourself. Yeah, the one I can't get taken down. Yeah, it's weird. And as a narcissist, it drives me crazy. <laughs> Anyone wants to take that picture down and replace it with something more modern? Please do. Mary did once. Yeah, I know. And then uh, got replaced back again. That's weird. Very weird. It's also got a thing up top which says we need new information. And uh, new information got put in. The thing didn't get taken down. (laughs) Born in 1753, he was a native from Champagne in the east of France. He uh, was some sort of a country policeman. Not a good start. But he climbed, as we say, to Paris, where he frequented some leftist clubs. And among them, the Society of the Friends of the Blacks, an abolitionist club. There's a Wikipedia page for it, too, in English. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know you've really made it when you're in English. Yeah. At uh, this time, the revolution was only a growing dissatisfaction among the French people because, yeah, taxes and all that. So the <laughs> king, you know, Rex Regis, had catch, uh, had catch uh, some of its rumors. At least uh, that's enough to make some marketing stunt. He decided to ask all the people to write in what they really wanted in books called Notebook of Grievances <laughs> in the French power fact- fashion of tell us what you need and we will explain to you uh, how to do without. <laughs> it seems to have backfired. Oh, yes. Anyway, at this time, Jacques Antoine uh, got back to the district and told the good peoples of Champagne to write in the notebook uh, that they should uh, free all the black men. I don't think they ever had the opportunity to see one in the flesh or even imagine that they even exist. But hey, if it could piss the power, uh, we should write to free them. Whoever they are, fuck the power. <laughs> it's known as the Vow of Champagne. And there is a Wikipedia link right there. Wow. Uh, then the revolution passed with 100 uh, more years of slavery and a few less heads. <laughs> <sighs> and my late uncle has an entry in the Matron. Uh, do not confuse with the Metro Underground 2, but not in the same way oh you devil you uh which is the biographical definition of the social and labor movement best baddie maybe captain nemo not the fish Uh, i think this was the first time i encountered a character which you can't say if he is bad like a tyrant or fight the fighting the heroes or if he is good he hates all the humans he is a rebel with a cause and like all baddies he has a cool ride (laughs) that's true we used to have a cartoon that was the new adventures of Captain Nemo, which was not cool <laughs> at all. And he very much resembled um, Rocket Robin Hood, who was a semi-cool hero. Yeah. Um, That's a good description. If you look up the new adventures of Captain Nemo, you'll see it. It's, it's him and a couple of kids and like, hey, look. Oh, is that a dolphin? Yes, it's a dolphin. There, well, Here's some f- fucking facts about dolphins. Let me tell you about them. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's something. Boy. Huh? Yeah. This, we done? Yeah, about now. Yeah, it's really short. Yeah, very short. Okay. Let's play that exciting title thing, which has, like, we're fighting things. It's exciting. Yeah, we never do that, though, huh? No. Is that a starfish? Yeah, it's a starfish. They uh, can cut off their legs. Are we going to? No. Uh, we're done. Anyway. 
Uh, I must confess, I'm not a fan of putting music in rants, but last week and this week's top five songs, top. <laughs> and I particularly like David's point of views on Zappa and Zeppelin, among uh, all his pieces of knowledgeable information on music. Mm. Well, you're now at the end because he's at the Zeds. Yes, it's time to end. I acknowledge ACDC to Zappa. Yeah, I know some uh, songs which uh, which strike a chord, and Golden Brown is one of them. Songs mm. having my particular or quirky instrumental line or melody, at least for me. Maybe I'll submit you my top five or ten of those. Please do. Please do, yeah. That's all, folks. And you get a big welcome back, Regis, from Jonathan Bampton. <laughs> yes, welcome back, Regis. Good yes. to hear from you. And uh, Regis replies that I have finished all the Dirty Harry minutes, and I am on the extra minutes. Regards. <laughs> nice. And then we got a celebrity. We got the host of uh, Horse Mysteries, which oh. is up to what number episode? Episode five came Very out good. this week. Uh, Lisa, who writes, uh, questions of the week about my name. I, I was thought to be a boy. And as such, my name was going to be Mark. My dad's mom's maiden name was Mark's. My parents were so completely convinced I was going to be a boy. They hadn't even considered a girl's name. And my great, great aunt Hazel was very excited about the new baby coming, at least in part because the due date was close to her birthday of November 1st. She wanted to have the baby if it was a girl to be named after her. But my parents were loath to have a baby Hazel, which was at the time a very old fashioned name. Well, you know, Disney's got two witches named it. So, you know, it's popular. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, well, no, Disney doesn't have. Well, Disney has one and Looney Tunes has one. Yes. Uh, ultimately, I was born a day before my Aunt Hazel's birthday. I was a girl, so Auntie Hazel was desperately wanting the little one named after her. My mom's name was Violet, so she knew all about an old-fashioned name. Her own name was also a name she didn't really like. So she decided to get creative for me. It took three weeks for them to settle on something. Up until then, I was, then I was no name Williamson. <laughs> Eventually, they decided to take my aunt Hazel's name and spell it backwards to create Lisa. Yes. Nice. I never met another Lisa, although there was a racehorse born in the 50s with the same name and spelling. Going through school, I always hated the first day of school uh, when we had a substitute teacher. I always knew my name would be garbled. In elementary school, my friends uh, Tanya and I... Tanelia. Tanelia. Oh, my gosh. I garbled it. (laughs) Suffered the same fate together. The TV personality Lisa Gibbons helped to make my name a little less foreign, and courtesy of the internet, I have discovered there was a young lady who is also a very good university-level competitive runner named Lisa Williams, who uses the same spelling as I do. Hmm. Maybe she's you from a parallel dimension. Oh. You don't know that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, thank you, Lisa. And everyone listen to Horse Mysteries. If you like horses, you like mysteries. <laughs> Crystal writes. Clip clop. Another great top five. Oh, thank Take you. the compliment. I, I Take did. it. I did. I said thank you. Uh, my favorite villains have been typically those who you feel sorry for, the ones who might have been good mm. but got pushed over the edge. Perhaps there's a little glimmer of redemption left in them. Maybe not. My favorite fictional villain is Severus Snape. Mm. Yes, I know he ended up being heroic at the end of the series with unrequited love for Lily, sacrificing himself for the greater cause and all that. But there was a lot of duplicity uh, through the series. Is he bad? Is he good? Is he all bad? In television shows, my favorite villain was Regina, the evil queen from Once Upon a Time, for similar reasons. Did her environment make her bad? I kind of felt sorry for her and wanted to root for her, uh, especially when she's, uh, except when she was especially nasty. And my favorite big screen villain is Loki. He is delightfully wicked. After all, uh, why is it that people uh, can have the same personality type and yet are really decent while others are horrid? What pushes someone over the edge? 
Obama and Nelson Mandela have the same Myers-Briggs personality type, as does Joseph Goebbels, and yet they use their talents for very different ends. Yeah, well, not what I've heard. (laughs) I saw some pictures of Obama with a Hitler mustache, and uh, I didn't look beyond that, so I'm just assuming. I'm assuming. As far as the origin of my name, my father fancied himself a teenage mad scientist, and we even have photos of him as a young man in a home laboratory full of test tubes and that sort of thing. He says that the most uh, beautiful thing he had ever seen was when he would refract light through a crystal, and I'm their only daughter, and that's how I got the name. Oh, that's very, very sweet. Yeah. And I ought to post this on Horse Mysteries, (laughs) but I'm really enjoying the horse podcast. Lisa sounds so similar to Mary. (laughs) Uh, I know very little about horses and the racing culture. So when I listen, I learn. And it's pretty interesting. Good job. Thank you. Good job all the way around. Thank you. All right. And now we have, hey, Jada Jackman. Yeah, what's going on? I haven't heard from Jada for a while. I just so happen to be listening to this little episode discussion on food and movies while eating a plate of spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) Hopefully not in a movie theater. (laughs) Yes, Jada. Oh, boy, you'll be driving poor people crazy. (laughs) So, of course, I took the opportunity to analyze how much concentration it takes. And I found that I did have to look down at my plate and start twirling the spaghetti. But once I started... I didn't need to look down again. Okay. The most amount of concentration actually came from cutting the meatballs and scooping them up. Mm. I'd say from my research (laughs) that you could watch a light movie without missing much. But anything with intricate details or quick scenes would best to be avoided while eating a big plate of spaghetti. Thank you for going to the trouble. On top of spaghetti. (laughs) Jada Jackman Research Industries. Uh, Also love the weekend songs, odd time signatures, our song element I always enjoy. Uh, say a little prayer in particular it's just a spectacular tune so oh. thank you jada jackman thank you for that that's great david we're gonna move on to emails that we got this week david <laughs> i will um let me just please take your time I just let to... me actually you know what while you do that i'm going to tell people how to like write us okay here's the thing we'll give your questions uh in a bit but if you want to be on the show having your letter read, very, very simple to do. Go to SneakyDragon.com. Find the episode that you want to comment on. Underneath every episode, we have uh, space there for uh, messages, and uh, we would love to hear from you. You can also uh, see clips of things. You can see these title cards, by the way, Dave's talking about. If you look up top and click on Art, so many things to see and do. You can go to <laughs> Facebook, uh, where we got a Sneaky Dragon page. You can go to Twitter. Sneaky underscore dragon, or you can go to Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Or, hey, if you want to experience the full email uh, thing that all the kids are talking about nowadays, uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com is our address. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com is our address. And if you don't believe me, here's a letter someone wrote to that address now. This is a letter from John Helbrooks. It uh, is, its subject is Backward Dragon. And questions of the week. Oh, I love it. He says, somewhat inaccurately, Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks for the top five, bracket six, and bracket time signature songs. Such a treat. And I actually knew four out of the six of them, which is quite unusual. Neat. By the way, I've now progressed far enough in the Backwards Dragon Project to... <laughs> Whoops. I just got a message. Uh, when I turn on my phone, Lisa asked me, were the dogs fed? And I just sent back a quick yes. And then she wrote back to say they disagree. And then asked, who let the dogs in? Who? 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 Um, just one second. Just one second. Where am I? Where am I? 
<laughs> dear, I'm doing the show still. I guess she doesn't realize I'm doing the show and she's, uh, she's hounding She'll me. She'll know when she gets her own podcast. Wait All a minute. Right. All right, let me she go does. back a little way. Let me go back a little way. Here. All right. By the way, I have now progressed far enough in the Backwards Dragon project to have made two playlists of favorites for workout music. I'll send the sequel list to Dave under separate cover. Nice. Thank you, John. I have now reached the Christmas listening party from 2020, which is a bit disorienting at the beginning of spring, uh-huh. but I'm rolling with it. And Mary's extended protest against Dave's Christmasometer, or Christmasometer? I can't remember how it is. The rating scale was magnificent. Uh, I think you believe my, I think you mean to say that my Christmasometer was magnificent. But anyway, by the way, Brubeck actually made five albums of odd time signature tunes. I suppose that Time Out was such a success that they repeated the formula. Mm. I have all five in a box set. Oh, that's cool. I I have Time Out and Time Further Out, and I've never gone further, further out than that. No, me either. Speaking of the Backwards Dragon Project, I can answer a question that you were pondering this week for all of you sneaky historians out there. I can tell you the precise moment when Dark Shadows became an official segment Ooh. in episode 476. That's from January 16th, 2021. My God. Dave began talking about Dark Shadows, and Ian interrupted to assert that he was declaring it an official regular segment and insisted that it needed a name. Dave suggested Dark Shadow Boxing, or perhaps perhaps Dark Shadow Unboxing. Then Ian suggested Dark Shadows. Dave agreed, and the rest is history. And that is what people remember January 6, 2021 for. 16th. Oh, too bad. Okay. <laughs> However, <laughs> however, before that, in episode 475, a discussion about Tubi led to a spontaneous update on Dark Shadows, and Dave promised to keep everyone apprised of his progress. He also commented on how seriously the show takes itself, and how the Johnny Depp film gets the tone so wrong. Which is so right. It is so What wrong. you could do, like, I know, you need another hobby, um, <laughs> is we could always, like, pluck out the the uh, dark shadows thing and like make that song podcast yoink nah, nah. bunk that's that's fine but then you can go to dark shadows con <laughs> no I don't want to do that okay. don't want to do that um speaking of getting the tone wrong <laughs> episode four hundred and seventy six also included a discussion about how bad the Hobbit movies were and I must comment sorry I must comment I must comment oh my god they were bad. I think that the big problem, other than stretching a short book over nine hours of film, was that the charm of the book was in its delightful narration, which is geared towards young people. The tone is quite different from Lord of the Rings, because, but because Jackson had made the Lord of the Rings movies first, he decided that the Hobbit movies needed to match that epic tone. And this was a terrible mistake. You are absolutely right, John. Not just a terrible mistake, a terrible, awful mistake, a horrible, terrible awful mistake one that would take making a fantastic beatles movie to to uh make right (laughs) back to this week's episode i have a couple of dickens clarifications i think dave that you must have been thinking of great expectations with regard to the book with the changed ending as far as i know there is no extant alternate ending to our mutual friend though some have criticized the ending yeah i was more criticizing the ending which is i feel like Dickens chickened out of what should have been the ending of the book. I'm going to give it away. It's a hundreds of year old book now, so whatever. So in the book, there's a a, a junk collector who comes into money, and as the story progresses, he becomes more and more miserly with the money. And but at the end of the story, 
and sorry if I don't remember it exactly, John, you are studying it. I am. I read it when I was in my 20s, uh, which was a while ago. Um, he's been more and more miserly and it's looking like he's just going to like lose all anything that made him like a nice person, what people liked about him. But at the end of the story, it turns around that he was done it as a trick in order to test or do something. And I don't quite remember now what it was, but it feels like Dickens was going in a very dark direction, which his books before that, like Dombey and Son and stuff, had been equally dark. Oh my God, I might be all wrong on my chronology. But anyhow, um, but I feel like Our Mutual Friend is like his last finished novel. Okay. And then he did The, the Mystery of Edwin Drood, which he did not finish, but uh, died before the end of. But anyhow, uh, I just feel like he chickened out of what would have been like a dark ending and kind of went with a more lighter ending of the book. That's all I was saying. Not that there was an alternate ending. I didn't even know there was an alternate ending of Great Expectations. That shows what I know. Spoilers. Um, great Expectations. Which, it ended with Greater Expectations. That was the alternate uh, uh, Great Expectations, which may be my favorite Dickens novel, by the way, in its published version has an ambiguous, though happy ending, which replaced the original darker ending. And you asked if our mutual friend included a character who is a junk collector. Well, sort of. The great fortune at the center of the novel has been accumulated from dust, i.e. garbage collection, which now manifests ah. in great dust mounds. You can see why my students are approaching the text from an ecological perspective. Also, there is Mr. Venus, who collects and articulates bones. He despairs that his beloved will not marry him because she does not wish to be regarded in that bony light. <laughs> Finally... The spontaneous combustion episode that you mentioned occurs in Bleak House. Thank you for reminding me. That is my personal favorite yeah. uh, Dickens book. It's a bleak house. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Commodore song, Bleak House, as well. Bleak yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, having suggested this question of the week, I have no really interesting answer except that my last name is often misspelled or mispronounced, which I think is because it is one of several variants, Holbrooks, Holbrook, Coolbrook, etc., which occur in the U.S. and the U.K. Sub-question of the week, so many good villains in literature, but I think that the victory must go to Satan in Paradise Lost. He is breathtaking. Honorable mentions to Edmund in King Lear, Tolkinghorn in Bleak House, and Saruman, Austin's Wickham, and Willoughby, while not precisely villains, are superb jerks. Oh, and I appreciated the brief dollop of trollop. I love the Palliser and Barsetshire novels along the way we uh, along with the way we live now. Any other trollop, trollopian recommendations? Well, Snickers, I'm off to read more Dickens. Stay well, everyone. John. Any trollopian recommendations? Well, if you're looking for a a, a good book with a villain, because the thinking of villains and trollop is interesting because trollop was an incredibly empathetic author. And all of his characters lived in his brain, and so he could never hate them entirely. So no matter how awful they were or what they did, he always had it in his heart to forgive them. And there's a great book uh, by kind of a lower, a lesser known one called The Bertrams by Trollope that has a fantastic story that kind of kind of follows a little bit of one of my favorite books by him, The Little House at Ellingham. And I love that book. And that's a good example of a character who behaves in a jerky, villainous way, a character called Adolphus Crosby. And in the book, he's brought to visit, brought by, uh, to, there's, so there's a little house at Ellingham, which uh, with a woman who has been given this house to live in. It's kind of, it normally would go to, to um, say, uh, some family member who, you know, um, I can't quite remember how it would go, but it would go to a family member. But in this case, the squire who owns this house gives it to his mother, uh, sister-in-law to live in. Mm -hmm. 
So she's not directly related to him, but he gives it to her anyway. And so she lives there with her two daughters, Lily and Lily and uh, Belle. And and in the in the and in the story, um, Lily is loved by this very uh, boyish boy named Johnny Eames, who you know is very much a kind of a naive kind of glumping young man who's not quite reached his manhood yet. Still, still a still a boy, but. Lily and Belle's cousin comes to visit, and he brings a friend named Adolphus Crosby with him. And Adolphus Crosby impresses these girls very much with his worldliness and his knowledge, and, and he's a rising star in the civil service in, in London. He's well thought of by everyone. And, and he falls in love with Lily, and he asks her to marry him. But once he does that, once, this, he's, you know, once he's, the spell has kind of been broken when he asks her, and he realizes, oh my God, what have I done? Like, I make an okay salary, but I make an okay salary for a bachelor. If I, if Lily and I lived together, we would be like this. We would be starving to death, not not, not really yeah. starving to death, but not living in the comfort he wishes to live in. And so he gets he gets kind of cold feet about it, and he goes from Ellingham to to stay at this castle with of characters who come from come from the 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 um, the Barchester novels, the De Courcys. and that's why this novel is considered kind of a bridge novel between the Pallister series and the the, the Barchester series because it features. Um, the character Lord Palliser, whatever his name is, Palliser, um, who t- has a big part of the Bell- the Palliser novels, obviously because his name's in them, and then also features Bell- Barchester characters. But anyway, so he goes there, and he, and even though there's like rumors that he's he's been affianced, he won't admit to it. He denies it, and so the mother of these of this unmarried daughter makes it her aim to get him to marry her, and they mm. connive, and so he ends up proposing to this woman as well. Okay. So now he's affiance to two different women oh boy but it's easier for him to to jilt lily who's an unknown than it is to jilt the daughter of a count so he goes he jilts lily breaks her heart breaks her life essentially and he uh marries this this uh daughter of a of a count and this is a terrible mistake because they don't love each other uh he's his all his money gets tied up into the family He's forced to buy a house that he can't afford so that she can live in the uh, style to yeah. which she wishes to become accustomed to. And luckily he gets a, he gets a raise and he's able to do this. But the thing is, is if he'd married Lily, he would have got the raise and been able yeah, to live right. with her perfectly comfortably. Right, right. But it's too late. He's already blown it. They, they do not love each other. Their marriage is a, is a sham and a yeah. shambles. And eventually she goes with her mother to live in Europe and he's just left by himself. Oh. Meanwhile, Lily. Even though Johnny Eames asked her to marry him, she will not marry him because she her heart is given to this Adolphus Crosby guy, and she will never not give her heart to him. Uh, come on, and come she, on. She comes in a later story where uh. he once again proposes to Johnny Eames. Comes and proposes because Johnny Eames has success as well. Yeah, he uh, saves this local uh, squire from getting from a bull, getting attacked by a bull, and uh, and this guy kind of takes him under his wing and, and helps him through his life and gets him gets him uh, ahead. And so you know. He's having success as well, and also blacks Crosby's eye when he learns what he's done to Lily. He attacks him at a railway station and punches him in the in the nose. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, but yeah, never Lily always will never never give up her love, first love. So so it's a sad story, but it's a story where it's sad for everyone, not just for her, but even Crosby, who you're you're like, what a jerk! You just realize, oh, what a what you know his his cowardliness did to him, and yeah. it's it's kind of sad more than angry. She's got to move on. She, I wish she would have, but she didn't. She always 
That's too bad. She's fictional, so there's always a way of fixing it. <laughs> well, not not with not under Trollope's uh, eye. So he That's could never true. he could never bring himself to make her make her break her vow. There you go. So the, um, I would recommend the Bertrams, though, if you've not read the Bertrams, and another one, the Kellys and the O'Kellys, which is one of his Irish ones, but I find particularly charming. People often dismiss them, but I find that one to be very charming. Cool. Novel. All right. So there you go. Was that the end of the... Uh, That's email? the end of the letters, yes. There we go. Uh, John did write to me with his with his song choices. And I, but it's private. But it's, you know, it's just, who wants to go into that? Let's talk it's about narcissism. It's boys. It's boy talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't need my ego pumped that much. Just I just want to know what people like. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so uh, as for a question of the week... Um, oh, boy. Here's the thing. We talked a little bit about narcissism and the, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what was something you were obsessed with when you were young? An obsession. Okay. Like learning maybe the most that you could about something or yeah. something you practiced like so much. You know, what was an obsession of yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, uh, a minor one for me was learning to juggle. Okay. Yeah. And you succeeded. I did. That's very good. I never did. I could never. Yeah. I just didn't have the coordination to do things like that. There so was a guy fun. that uh, showed me the basics when. I was like, uh, uh, from um, a musical show I was doing. And then, you know, by the end of the uh, rehearsal period, we could like toss the balls back and forth, like three balls. And then mm. he also showed me uh, how to do the circle, which is a, a really tough, tough to do where you just like uh, get the three balls going in a circle. Okay. And it looks like uh, you're a cartoon uh, juggling. <laughs> but uh, no, it's fun. It was like a really. I've you, always you, been you fascinated pretty, by it. Yeah, you could practice. With the uh, cloths, you could do because it's like uh, you know easier. But uh, I just went right for the balls, <laughs> as you know. Dave knows. Uh, he told that in, that in his story. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and all about yeah. the balls. There you are. Yeah, I read a book but, but by. Wash your um, hands first for at least an hour. That's, uh, that's, the, that's the rules. <laughs> I read a book recently by Robert Silverberg called Lord Valentine's Castle, and in the book, there's a juggling troupe, mm. and this character who's kind of the main character of it, he. And he's an amnesiac who kind of winds up, ends up in this troupe, and he, they teach him how to juggle, and he and he learns to juggle, and, and it became very. I was like, oh, now I'm interested in it again, but I just never learned well, as a kid. Never, so too, never it, too late. Never, it's too late now. I'm I'm too no. old to juggle, unfortunately. Too old to juggle. too old to juggle. I can't even. Too old to throw I can't even a ball juggle. from one hand. To I can't the even other. juggle a schedule. You know. Oh, there we go. You can, you can learn to juggle. <laughs> I'm sure I could learn to juggle if I took the time. And the nice thing is, if you've got a dog, mm-hmm. uh, it's always happy when you're learning to juggle because you keep dropping the ball on the ground. And they're like, ah, it's good. It's a great time. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for... Oh, wait. Do you want to do another question? We should have another question, yeah. Yeah, what, what were you thinking? Whoa. <laughs> I, I just suggested... I know you did. Okay, give me one second. Yeah. This is Dave's thinking song. This is the song that Dave used. When Dave thinks, he thinks this song, and it stops him from being. It does. Dave can't think with this song. This song is blocking his thoughts. He can't think a thinking song. This maddest thing to think. Think, 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 think. It makes his thoughts all stink, stink, stink. Think, 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 think. He wishes he could have a drink. Okay, how about this? This is a desperate, a desperate bid. Here, Who's your favorite dwarf of the seven <laughs> That's right. Let's make Peter Dinklish mad. Um, how about... Well, we talked villain last time. How about your favorite hero? Okay. In literature. In literature! <laughs> if you want to oh, to... the guy from the hero's journey? <laughs> sure, there you go. Okay. So your favorite uh, hero in literature... <laughs> And something you were obsessed with when you were younger. Or hell, now. You can even go with now. I'm not going to stop you from telling me about obsession now. Uh, and I've given I you know, all like the we, information. Did we do this one of the, who you most admire, though? And 
No, no. Hero in literature is a very okay. different situation. All right. All right. Favorite hero in literature. Okay. Uh, I've given you all the information on how to reach us. Uh, one more time. Uh, Sparks. Uh, the third Sparks book is coming out April 5th. Uh, I wrote it. Nina Matsumoto drew it. Dave colored it. Uh, we all did a great called, job. So thanks. Uh, Sparks Future Perfect. Uh, if you want to read the other two Sparks books, Sparks is just out there. Self-titled Sparks. And there's also Sparks Double Dog Dare. Both already in stores. But the other one, you can just pre-order now from whoever you want. Just go up to a person on the street. Go, I want to pre-order this book. And then just like hand them like 15 bucks. And they'll cool. go, what? I'm, I have nothing to do with the book industry. Thank you, sir. And then you go, <laughs> it's a good way to spread the word about Sparks. Nice. All right. Anything else you wanted to plug? Horse Mysteries, boom, done. Horse Mysteries, did it. Uh, you know what's funny? We talked so much, I didn't even talk about our unsuccessful trip to Sunshine Coast. Maybe next time. Tune in next time to see what happens. And, you know, there'll be another top five. There you go. Thanks for listening. I've been Ian. I've been David. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. This is Dave's thinking song. That's his thinking that it went on way too long. Thinking song. I'm not thinking anymore. Ooh. Thank you.